Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. One hundred years ago, a white mob destroyed the area known as Black Wall Street. This was the Tulsa Race Massacre. They killed as many as 300 people, and for decades, the scale of that violent attack on Tulsa's Greenwood neighborhood wasn't widely known. But as NPR's David Gura reports, that moment in history weighs heavily on some of today's highest-profile black executives. J.B. Stratford was a pillar of Black Wall Street. He fought for civil rights. He built a luxury hotel in Tulsa, among several other businesses. And according to his great-grandson, the investor John Rogers, Stratford made a fortune. Over time, we think it would have compounded to over $100 million. We think it would have been real serious wealth that J.B. Stratford would have been able to create and then to be able to share with his descendants as the years went on. At the time, Tulsa was awash with oil money, and Greenwood was a place of prosperity and possibility. They were all in it together. They gained an enormous amount of confidence of, you know, what they could do as business leaders and the kind of educational opportunities they'd be able to give to their kids. And, you know, build multi-generational wealth was really the dream. Black Wall Street was a commercial center, vibrant with movie theaters and restaurants and barbershops. Every profession was represented there, Rogers says. There were doctors and lawyers and something that made it special was the money stayed in that community. Everyone did business with each other. 100 years ago, all that was wiped out. This was absolutely brutal, what happened. Ken Chenault was one of the first black CEOs to run a Fortune 500 company. He led American Express from 2001 to 2018. And Chenault first heard about what happened in Tulsa when he was a teenager. He says it was shocking. I think what's very important to understand is the fear that blacks had that almost... Anything they had was fragile because it could be taken away from them. Chenault says he marvels at what Greenwood's residents managed to build in Tulsa, despite the prejudice and racism they endured, despite extreme odds. And during his long career in business, Chenault has thought about the lives lost and the consequences of so many businesses ruined and wealth destroyed. What I certainly would have liked to have seen happen, and I certainly believed it would, was that the number of blacks as CEOs would have increased. In fact, that number is getting smaller. When Ken Frazier steps down from Merck next month, there will be four black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And one of them is the Shonda Brown Duckett, She's the CEO of TIAA, a financial services firm that manages more than a trillion dollars in assets. The Tulsa massacre was not something she learned about in school, but now it's something she thinks about every day. 
there's a picture of Black Wall Street hanging on the wall of her office. Because I represent Black Wall Street uh, going forward in the future and the promise of what was denied um, 100 years ago. Duckett is one of only two black women running Fortune 500 companies. And she says what happened in Tulsa is part of the reason why there aren't more executives who look like her who are doing what she's doing in corporate America. You know, we talk a lot about structural and systemic racism. And I think what the Tulsa massacre shows us, it gives a real face and a narrative to what that really means. Duckett says the damage has compounded over the last 100 years. Insurers denied survivors claims, and so did the government. And that's contributed to an erosion of trust in the financial system. Well, that's something she's trying to restore, and so is John Rogers, J.B. Stratford's great-grandson, who points to signs of progress. Today, there are more black board members at public companies, for instance, but there hasn't been anything like that sense of community in Greenwood. What we're still missing is the opportunity to build businesses the way that we had in Tulsa 100 years ago. When Black Wall Street burned, Stratford couldn't save his business. He was taken into custody and charged with rioting, but he escaped, first to Kansas, then to Illinois. He never was able to replicate the success that he had had in Tulsa. Everything Stratford worked for disappeared in one day. That's driven Rogers as he's built his business, one of the largest black-owned financial firms in the country. David Gura, NPR News. And we should note that TIAA is one of NPR's financial supporters. After George Floyd's murder and the massive protests that followed, we saw a lot of companies that felt like they needed to say something. I mean, do you remember what commercials were like in the summer of 2020? The American Dream. Cue very serious music and voice of God narration. It wasn't made for everybody. A seemingly widespread embrace of black voiceovers. It forgot about one very important detail. Black America. Then there might be a 60-second capsule history of racism in America. Maybe a vintage civil rights-era photo. Footage of that summer's protests. Candid portraits of young black people smiling at the camera. Or alternatively, looking contemplative. Black dreams matter. Black voices matter. Black lives matter. And then at some point, maybe you notice a discreet copyright 2020 the Coca-Cola company watermark at the bottom of the screen. In this case, a commercial for Sprite. Now that need to be out front of a national social movement. It meant suddenly companies were proclaiming themselves allies. To be silent is to be complicit, as Netflix said on Twitter. There were a lot of corporate tweets like that and a lot of commercials like that Sprite one. But there were also pledges, promises, and bulleted lists of goals. McDonald's said it would tie executive pay to diversity targets. Companies from Zoom to General Electric created chief diversity officer positions. Consider this. Companies pledged transformational change during last summer's racial justice protests. A year later, we ask, did they change? From NPR, I'm Audie Cornish. It's Thursday, June 3rd. It's Consider This from NPR. Big structural change is what big corporations were promising last summer. They made statements, they donated millions to civil rights organizations, and they promised to address their own problems with diversity and representation. How did that go? NPR's David Gura looked into it. 
There were many CEOs who didn't know how to respond. That much was clear to Darren Walker, who's the president of the Ford Foundation, a philanthropy that focuses on social justice and inequality. They had no African-Americans on their board. They had no African-American in the C-suite. And Walker remembers fielding more than a dozen phone calls from executives who he says were disturbed and deeply concerned. There was not both lived experience and expert knowledge to advise, provide counsel and wisdom to the CEOs and the boards. One year later, representation continues to be an issue. Just days before the anniversary of George Floyd's death, the investment bank Morgan Stanley promoted four men to senior leadership roles. It's widely understood they'll vie to succeed James Gorman, the current CEO. He's white, and so are they. At a Senate hearing, Gorman pointed to other recent promotions, and he said he's committed to diversity. But this organization has been built over many decades and it takes a long time for talent to rise to the top. The Ford Foundation's Darren Walker says companies have to do a better job of finding talent and holding on to it. We are past the kind of token uh, efforts of corporate America. This has to be about transformation and transformation requires more transparency. Of the 500 largest publicly traded companies, almost a third of them don't have one black person on their boards. That's according to Equilar, a clearinghouse for corporate leadership data. And while that's a smaller percentage than what it was in May of 2020, you can still count the number of black chief executives in the Fortune 500 on one hand. A year ago, business leaders spoke out. Then they cut checks to nonprofits and civil rights groups. One of them is Campaign Zero, an organization focused on police reform founded by DeRay McKesson. I think that for most of these corporations, money's easy, right? Like the money is is literally the least risky and easiest thing you can do. What's more difficult is delivering on the promise of more diversity in leadership and among the rank and file. I think to be very honest, we try to not be too reactionary. Ralph Bassett is a portfolio manager at Aberdeen Standard Investments. It's joined a coalition of financial services companies that have committed to publishing more data and to spending more money on career development for minorities. We didn't want to come across as insincere or within that context too reactionary such that we couldn't provide the necessary framework for driving what we view to be sustainable change. That kind of cautiousness is common on Wall Street, where cultural change tends to happen slowly. But other companies have approached this issue with the same kind of deliberativeness. Starbucks hired former Attorney General Eric Holder to conduct what it calls a civil rights assessment of the company's policies. And Facebook, which has no person of color among its seven most senior executives, wants 30% more black people in leadership positions in five years. We want to witness incremental progress, but realize it's going to take a number of years to get to where we want. In corporate America, the urgency of the moment, the demand for change, is sometimes at odds with what's perceived to be possible. Ebony Thomas works on improving the pipeline for talent at Bank of America. She's an executive whose portfolio is racial equality and economic opportunity. Well, Thomas graduated from North Carolina A&T University, and she's encouraging her company to recruit more from historically black colleges and universities like the one she attended. I mean, progress is progress and it's slow, but it, we still have to recognize progress. Bank of America's CEO also testified before Congress, and Brian Moynihan highlighted company data on diversity. It succeeded in hiring more black employees overall. That number is now in line with the U.S. population. But only one in 20 senior level managers is black. And that number hasn't budged.
That's NPR's David Gura. There's a whole industry that's focused on making the type of change those companies are promising. DEI. Three letters we're hearing a lot. They stand for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the DEI industry, it's big. It's a collection of folks who are in various different industries. They work in HR. They work in the legal profession. Some of them are like myself. They're academics. And they're all kind of under this umbrella of working toward organizational equity. It is an incredibly nebulous definition. This is Kim Tran, who spoke to NPR's Sam Sanders. She's a DEI consultant. And she says the roots of what is now a multi-billion dollar juggernaut started during a prior moment of racial reckoning. When diversity, equity, inclusion began, it was in response to the quote-unquote affirmative action call by JFK. Right. We hope in the next few days to have an executive order forthcoming, which will strengthen the employment opportunities both in and out of the government for uh, all Americans. And uh, it will be followed as time goes on with other actions by the federal government to expand employment uh, possibilities. And that was in response to the Black American Civil Rights Movement. You had a lot of change happening around the same time. You had the Civil Rights Act, you had the Voting Rights Act, you had, you know, these calls for affirmative action. But Kim Tran says the ideals that sparked those new changes very quickly became tied up with other concerns. What happened was companies got really scared of litigation. So they create a whole bunch of trainings um, and a whole bunch of people to do these trainings. And most of the time, those folks are housed in human resources. But they're not the people who actually created this idea of racial justice or equity or equality in the first place. And they aren't the ones doing the hiring in many of these instances. Oh, my gosh, no. (laughs) Tran says that today, many of these efforts miss the mark completely. A lot of DEI feels like performative allyship. I went to the training, and then I put the hashtag up, and then we did a Pride Month, and everybody feels great about the work. Lily Zhang has had a front row seat to the wide range of approaches that companies have taken in response to last summer's racial justice protests, from the purely performative to commitments to structural change. So we wanted to talk to Zhang about what they've seen, what to avoid, and whether things are really changing. Zhang says you have to start in early 2020 when COVID hit and the economy sputtered. DEI LinkedIn, it's kind of a scene. Well, it was filled with people talking about being laid off. COVID was a tsunami hitting the DEI space. I would venture a majority of the DEI practitioners in-house and consultants who I know worked with companies were laid off, lost contracts, had their work indefinitely paused. Then came the killings of Breonna Taylor in Kentucky and George Floyd in Minnesota, the national media tension and the protests that spread from coast to coast. A lot of corporations that talked to me, and I can only really talk about those experiences, said, Lily, we're getting a lot of incoming pressure from our own employees internally, and also some pressure from our customers and clients that we've never seen before externally. Can you come in and help us talk about these topics? Now, The interesting thing is I actually didn't 
accept most of these requests. And even the few that I talked further about, they largely dropped off. What I saw from the folks who reached out to me, they didn't wait to hear a response from me to act. I think the pressure was too high. And in fact, some of these companies, which I won't name, put out social media messages. They wanted something quick. They wanted something speedy. And I suppose I, I just wasn't fast enough um, to meet their demands. And many of these companies later were you know, criticized for being performative in their approach. What are some consistent mistakes you see companies making when they try and work on issues of diversity, on issues of equity? Well, that's a big question. Um, I think the Sounds like there's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> well, of course, there's a lot of mistakes. I mean, why why would my profession exist if companies were doing it right? So, one of the biggest ones I think is that they will allocate a laughably small amount of money where they will uh, put the burden of change on unfunded volunteer groups like DEI councils. But the consistent failure across all of this is to treat DEI like any other major primary business function deserving of headcount, deserving of budget, deserving of decision-making authority. And that shift has only happened, I would say, very, very recently. What about the flip side criticism in that you're hearing more and more people say, you know, this sounds like bringing um, just bringing a certain kind of progressive politics into the workplace and indoctrinating people in that politics. Kind of what's your response to that? Well, companies have never been isolated from politics. And, and when I talk about politics, I refer to conversation about society, social issues, economic issues. Companies have always weighed in on these things. That's the whole definition of lobbyists. Companies have already been bringing politics to work in every sense of the word uh, since their inception in the U.S. And the fact that companies are being forced to, sure, call it move left, is in response to the fact that there is, there is heaps and heaps and heaps of data showing that newer generations care more and more about companies being socially responsible, caring about their social impact. And this, I think, is a very reasonable shift for companies to take, given all of this movement happening in our broader society. Where is it going next? Um, and what do you see in terms of, like, is this a turning point? I can't I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you exactly where the field is going to go. What I think is interesting is this question about social justice, about the role of company in society is unlikely to end. I think we're going to see rather than a unspoken de facto status quo where we don't talk about politics in the workplace, companies being more and more outspoken about whether they are social impact, social justice companies that care about the world or whether they are companies that on the record, on the books, perhaps proudly say we don't talk about these issues here. And that, I think, is going to be a pretty interesting force when it comes to where people choose to work, when it comes to larger impacts on the labor market. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I think those trends are going to continue playing out the way that they are now. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Consultant, Lily Zhang. This time last year, around 20 million people were out of work. Now, as the economy recovers, employers say they can't find anyone higher. Still, millions of women have yet to return to work. NPR's Andrea Shu talked with two of them. 
For more than 20 years, Catherine Gaines worked as a legal assistant in Washington, D.C. She had a reputation for excelling at everything. Documents, filings, briefs, scanning, whatever they needed done. I was the go-to person. She even once planned an attorney's wedding. Early last year, her law firm downsized and she was laid off. She quickly applied to some temp agencies and got an assignment. But then... COVID kicked in. Nobody had anything for me to go to. In a way, it was a blessing. She had recently moved in with her mom, who has Alzheimer's. Taking care of her was a full-time job. Finding an actual job in the pandemic was daunting. I knew I couldn't work in retail because I knew I couldn't be exposed and bring it home to my mother. So I just had to just be hopeful, sit and wait. I always say God didn't bring me this far to drop me off. Earlier this year, Gaines moved her mother into a nursing home, and now she's applying for jobs again. She'd prefer to work from home, but is okay with going into a COVID-safe workplace. Most importantly, she wants to find something that would allow her to take her mom to doctor's appointments and check in on her frequently. Gaines herself is 62 now. She's willing to hunt a little longer for the right job, at least until her unemployment benefits run out. I'm giving myself at least till August. That's when I really hit the grind. Caregiving responsibilities are one reason labor economists think women are not returning to the workforce in droves. But Stephanie Aronson of the Brookings Institution says other things are at play, too. I think it's just a complex mix of factors that are keeping women out of the labor force right now. Ongoing concerns about the virus. Some industries still struggling to recover and a change of heart about how people want to spend their time. She says women often make decisions that end up sticking. So a woman who decided to stay home with children in the pandemic might stay out of the workforce for years. So I think that the recovery for female labor force participation could just be slow. Across the country in Los Angeles, Valerie Mecki had been working in fashion merchandising for 18 years. Her most recent job was with a company that made uniforms for grocery stores and restaurants. She was laid off in April as the pandemic crushed the entire apparel industry. No one was hiring. She applied for job after job last year and kept getting ghosted. But her teenage children, they were optimistic from the start. They had seen me work so hard in the fashion industry. And so to them, it was like, but you're going to figure it out. Last fall, Meki started a side hustle, a blog, to build up her online skills. She learned about things like search engine optimization. She wrote about a topic she knew well, figuring out what to do when you've lost your job. Recently, she started picking up a few freelance writing gigs. Now she's hoping to convert that into a career, even if it means taking a huge pay cut. And she's heard about other women doing the same. I think it really, during this time, it gave us that permission to really think about our future. But career changes take time, so full-time employment could still be a ways off. Andrea Shu, NPR News. The federal government, which is this country's largest employer, is starting to return many employees to their offices. White House staffers have been told to come back next month. What is not clear is just how many workers across the government will come in and how many will stay home. NPR's Brian Naylor reports. The Biden administration has told agencies to submit plans for what it calls the safe reentry of federal employees to the physical workplace by next month. It's a big job. This is really complicated. 
Teresa Gurton is president of the National Academy of Public Administration, a nonpartisan group that advises government leaders. The administration's got to think through everything from how you deal with people who are unvaccinated and won't get vaccinated to how you deal with uh, labor relations and do those contracts have to be renegotiated? What is the method of performance management for people who aren't going to be in the office? So it, it is not as easy as flipping a switch and just saying everybody back. It's not clear how many government employees were able to work from home during the pandemic. A lot of federal workers, TSA and Border Patrol officers, for instance, had no choice but to remain on site. Jeff Neal, a former head of human resources at the Department of Homeland Security, estimates that a little under half of the federal workforce have jobs in which they could work from home, although it's likely far fewer did. As for what comes next, Neal says it's probably going to be a hybrid. What I think we're going to see is something that's somewhere between what we had pre-pandemic and what we have now. Uh, I think they're going to, you're probably going to see more people working remotely. Uh, I don't think every agency is going to say anybody who wants to work from home can. At some agencies, managers have already been calling some employees back into the office on a voluntary basis. Ralph DeJulis is president of the American Federation of Government Employees chapter that represents Social Security workers. He says the biggest concern with reopening Social Security offices is safety for employees and the public. In many parts of the country, people aren't vaccinated. We're nowhere near herd immunity. And we don't want the vulnerable populations that we serve exposed to packed lobbies where people are going to literally have to wait post-pandemic like they did pre-pandemic for hours just to turn in documents. Aside from issues such as ensuring proper ventilation for workers and the public at federal offices, Jeff Neal, the former HR official, says there are other concerns for managers, including morale. How do I feel if I can't work from home because of my job, but you get to work from home all the time? You don't have to pay for child care. You don't have to commute. You don't have to spend two hours a day getting to and from work. That could create some morale issues. Still, Teresa Gurton says, well, there may be problems to overcome. There is also the chance for improvements for federal employees and on how services are delivered to the public. It's an opportunity um, to fundamentally reimagine what it means to work for the federal government. And it, again, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of shake things up and say, we've been doing it this way since the 1950s. Maybe we should think about something different for the next 50 years. One thing seems certain, it's going to take a while to establish what is the new normal for federal employees and the public they serve. Brian Naylor, NPR News. Black brother. Black brother hell. Hell Rogers is happy at first to see that another black woman has been hired as an editorial assistant at Wagner Books. She's often tired of being just about the only black person in the room, actually in pretty much all the rooms of the publisher. One morning, Nella sees through a small crack in a cubicle what she calls the flash of a brown hand. Let's ask Zakia Dalila Harris, author of the new novel, The Other Black Girl, to read what she first sees of Hazel May McCall. The girl had a wide, symmetrical face and two almond-colored eyes perfectly spaced between a Lena Horne nose and a generous forehead. 
Her skin was a shade or two darker than Nella's chestnut complexion, falling somewhere between hickory and umber. And her locks, every one as thick as a bubble tea straw and longer than her arms, started out as a deep brown, then turned honey blonde as they continued past her ears. And then there was the girl's pantsuit a smart-looking ensemble composed of a single-button marigold jacket and a matching pair of oversized slacks that hit a couple of inches above the ankle. Below that, a pair of red patent leather high-heeled ankle boots that Nella would have broken her neck just trying to get into. The Other Black Girl is one of the spring's most anticipated novels. It's uh, the debut of Zakia Delila Harris, who spent three years in publishing and joins us from New York. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Well, it's our honor. And uh, and we should note, by the way, uh, your sister, Aisha Harris, is co-host of the Pop Culture Happy Hour yes. uh, podcast here at NPR. But she yes. is not involved in our show's editorial process to our <laughs> deficit, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> what different thoughts are set off in Nella by the arrival of Hazel May? She is so curious. She is really just genuinely excited. She's been the only Black person at Wagner Books for the last two years. And so to have this flash of color um, in this space that's usually really drab and frankly very white, um, Nella's enthusiastic and excited about that and what that could mean for her. Mm. We we should mention that Hazel May has kind of a matchless backstory, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, she is really kind of the poster child um, for blackness in a lot of ways um, of what the the en vogue kind of blackness is. Um, she's she comes from civil rights um, kind of royalty. She expresses her opinions about things in a very confident way. Um, she is really the millennial who is speaking out. But at the same time, she's also able to navigate uh, this very white world of Wagner books in a very smooth kind of way that Nella actually doesn't necessarily navigate as well. Um, and so that contrast really sets up a lot of interesting uh, I'll just say interesting dynamics between them. And what kind of everyday pressures uh, has Nella, like so many other Black women uh, in U.S. publishing and not just U.S. publishing, faced? Being the only one means a lot of things for Nella. The The thing that is really hard for her is the fact that she feels like she has to speak for every Black person, every Black opinion. Um, she's expected to speak, but um, in a certain way, right? She she has to come off in a way that's also appealing to her coworkers. And that can change depending on what's in vogue, what's popular. So she really has to kind of fit herself into the molds that they believe she should be in. I, I'm sure you knew this question was coming from the first moment you began to write the book. What What part is fiction and what part is memoir? <laughs> a lot of it is fiction. A lot of it is exaggeration. I fortunately did not have it nearly as bad as Nella does. Um, I also wasn't the only Black person um, where I worked. I was still one of a few, um, not many, and the only Black woman in editorial. So so that that part of looking around the table and not seeing anyone who looked like me, that part was very real. But the character's we're very much a fun amalgamation of certain quirks, certain conversations I've overheard, 
all of those zany hijinks that you see in an office the, when you're close with other people like that. So that element was was pretty on point. Then one day, da da da, da there's a note on Nella's desk. Leave Wagner, period, now. It's sinister, but a little ambiguous. How do you hope people react? I mean, I wanted to have this mysterious element that kind of throws a wrench into Nella's plans, her life at Wagner Books. Um, but I really want the reader to think about the note. It, it's, yeah. it was more for the reader because I want them to think about who they think would have left it for her. Um, and I think you can tell a lot about a reader by what they expect. Oh, who they who they kind of uh, have in their crosshairs. So, yeah, yeah, because there are a lot of suspects, right? There are a lot of people yeah. who could have done it. And uh, throughout this book, I really wanted readers to question their own prejudices, their own kind of analysis of certain interactions. And, and that note, I think, is just one example. I found it sad when I reached the part in the book where uh, Nella says that Hazel made her feel redundant. Yeah, I mean, it really goes into my own ideas that I have about, I mean, it's not only publishing, I think it's a lot of industries that are mostly white, where we commodify blackness, where you only need this one version of this thing for this one purpose. Whereas diversity is not like that. You have to be thoughtful about how you're speaking with people, how you see the office, because all of those things matter. They make a difference into whether or not a place feels inclusive. So when Hazel's in the space, Nella feels like, okay, well, they have someone else who dresses cooler than me, who speaks on these things much more clearly and confidently than I do. Everyone seems to love her. My purpose here, my worth here is in question now. No one's cooler than Nella, but I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, thank you. I, as someone who really put her own personal quirks into Nella, that was, ah. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> ah. I see we, I see we finally wrung that out of you. Yes, you got me. <laughs> uh, Zakia Delila Harris is uh, author of The Other Black Girl. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Again, such an honor to to be here with you today. Context of White Supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Hmm. I was interested in reading that book because I was thinking, oh, wow, that's something we could have for the book club. And it would deal with workplace racism. Like, oh, that's awesome. We could read a book about the workplace for the book club. And then the more I heard... Like I became less interested for some reason, but we'll have to see what folks think if that's maybe something for the book club. Incidentally, I did think the book title is not the other black woman or the other black lady, the other black girl, boys and girls, Dr. Welsing. Today's date, Friday, June 4, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly summit on neutralizing workplace racism. This is not a broadcast for spectators. I'm very sure if we have victims of racism anywhere in the known universe. If you have a job and or are in school, you probably 
are experiencing some workplace racism yourself and or are observing things. Certainly as it relates to uh, the COVID-19 situation, there's a lot to observe and workplace safety, which has been a big issue, especially here in the U.S. uh, all year long. Anywho, uh, at least on the vaccine, uh, I've seen where more and more it looks like it's kind of going to be a done deal for universities, colleges this autumn. It looks like it's going to be required vaccine like Oregon, I think, just signed off. I think many of the major institutions in California have already done so. Rutgers in New Jersey, like it just seems like more and more are falling in line if you are if you have offspring and they're going to be enrolling in some institution this fall uh, or if you yourself are looking to be in school uh, in September August it's looking like you're going to have to have uh, vaccination proof and or a legal exemption so that's definitely something to pay attention to speak about if you have children who are headed that direction Uh, But again, not for spectators uh, and particularly if you have any helpful information uh, in terms of just anything that would benefit non-white people in a workplace setting, uh, things to know that are helpful to get a promotion, uh, things to know when it's time for a performance review, questions to ask or, you know, what have you, things, questions that are helpful if you are being interviewed for a job, Uh, just Any helpful tidbits, uh, minimizing conflict with other non-white people in the workplace, talking about uh, the other black girl, anything like that that you found like, hey, doing these things, saying these specific words, this is helpful in solving problems without creating new problems. Don't be a spectator. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Share the broadcast on social media, wherever you use or have some real estate online. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at Until Justice on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash. The problem is white people. But again, the number for the broadcast, no spectating, 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Letting the plane go by. Incidentally, since I moved, I have a very nice uh, balcony. I'm broadcasting outside for the entire summer. Like we just have to tolerate a plane going overhead every now and then, like unless uh, they can make it rain really bad or monsoon or something to that effect. We are chilling outside. Listen to the birds. Or enjoy the silence. Love it either way. Oh, there they go. Anywho, um, quickly for the segments and then we'll get to the callers and such wow and it could have been easily lots more I didn't even play in my view all of the 
workplace racism, the professional athletes, Naomi Osaka and her dropping out of the French Open and the numerous NBA athletes, I think Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving. And it was loads of uh, black basketball players. Uh, The fans just got back to the arena and then they were throwing items at black players left and right and racist slurs being yelled. Uh, It became a big like, what what are we going to do? All these unruly fans and they were making all kinds of excuses like, well, you know, the Rona and people have been inside for the past 16 months. So they're just they're excited. You know, they got all this pent up energy. Alcohol was mentioned a few times as well. But uh, all of that, even Naomi Osaka citing mental health reasons as to why she did not want to speak with the press at the French Open uh, and then withdrawing because white people at the tournament, WTA, tried to pressure her to speak to the press. That's part of your responsibility as a professional athlete, they said. Well, well, fine, I'll drop out of the tournament. All of that is workplace racism. And I'll just say because I do think that that is nowhere near a priority in relation to typical victims of white supremacy racism who are not pro athletes who have all kinds of problems and things that are not you know I'm not talking to the press today or someone threw popcorn at me way bigger issues you know for what this program is supposed to be focused on but I will say composure Uh, I think for many of those incidents uh, racist suspected racist fans assaulting players throwing items at them projectiles composure not wigging out because we talk about that every week many of us whether we're pro athletes or couch potatoes many of us work in environments where individuals classified as white attempt to provoke us you heard that it was even in the book now we don't know if it's a white person who did it or not but the note you know all that in a variety of ways keeping your composure is so important Uh, and they talked about that in any of these incidents Russell Westbrook or someone if they had went and you know snatched up one of these folks uh, for throwing a water bottle at them or whatever else oh my goodness you know they would have been arrested and lost millions of dollars and you know been fined and suspended and all the rest of it so real important really in, in my view the most important component of counter racism in the workplace and beyond composure can't become emotional and forget about logic and just you know trying to do the correct thing in solving problems especially especially in the workplace now the segments that we did here wow so much so they started with Tulsa Oklahoma and talking about the number of black businesses uh, that were destroyed and then insurance claims denied have heard that over and over throughout history with black people and how so much wealth was lost and how this even impacts uh, black people today who are in business and what have you and all the rest of it. Uh, important for a myriad of reasons. Uh, I've said for a long time, uh, the circumstances around black wall street have not changed. White people might use different methods. Now they might not necessarily fly a plane overhead and bomb your facility. They might use taxes or, you know, lots of different ways of, uh, getting black people to move, putting a freeway there, lots of different ways. Uh, but I thought that was important also because we heard like, I think two weeks ago, Carlos Hill uh, is 
professor, author uh, of the book, The 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre, A Photographic History, VGQ, non-white male. Uh, and he was saying that the resilience, you know, the renaissance that took place in Tulsa and it came back stronger. And I think uh, some of our listeners and myself were like, I don't know. That doesn't seem to make sense because they didn't uh, repair the damage. The folks who lost businesses and property, it's not like they were compensated. So that to me doesn't seem logical that things would be back better after all of this. And I didn't hear anything to the contrary in that clip. That's exactly what I thought. Insurance not being paid out. And wow, look how much money they lost and the amount that they had of wealth that they had accumulated. And then all of that is just vanishes incident of white terrorism. I mean, that's the system that we still live in, folks. Motivation to solve this problem. Uh, Let's see. Next. They talked about. I guess kind of an analysis a year after many businesses and corporations uh, responded to the George Floyd protests uh, and what have you. Uh, I remember a lot of those tacky statements that even went through uh, the Super Bowl where they had a lot of those tacky ads and what have you and talking about racism uh, and what have they had Dr. Harry Edwards do some of the Super Bowl uh, commercials talking about racism. Uh, All of that I feel is just really tacky uh, in my view uh, suspected racists white supremacists are at their worst when they are out pretending doing an old Jane Elliott admitted racist that they are against racism nothing is tackier the confusion is profound you even heard it in that segment they say we come in and we do our diversity and inclusion equality day and then we go out and we do hashtag for diversity inclusion and pride now what (laughs) What are we even talking about? Like conflation, we're just everything is just kind of slopped in and thrown together. I didn't even hear white supremacy mentioned. We've got all these other goofy terms, uh, microaggression and diversity, inclusion. Uh, like I said, Jane Elliott and company. That's what I saw. Those type of people came up last year. Like, oh, let's get all of our diversity and inclusion equality officers and Jane Elliott's and Dr. Robin D'Angelo and Timothy Wise and all the rest. Let's wheel them all in here. Or let's do a Zoom conference and talk about diversity. And yes justice yes mm-hmm. I'm sure Dr. Eddie Moore with the white privilege conference Cal Bell I'm sure he got uh, a phone call too Gus T did not uh, let's see they said they even uh, Starbucks requested Eric Holder's services to make a civil rights assessment of their policy I don't even know what that means uh, incidentally if we have anyone here if you function as a diversity and inclusion officer please dial in and let us know how you function in your role. What are your duties? What do you do on a daily basis in that capacity? Would love to know. And how, how have your duties and functions changed over the past year? That might be interesting too. Uh, incidentally, I I've been saying it, I guess for a year now, I totally supported president Trump when it was, Hey, forget all this critical race theory we're no longer doing this in the workplace like whoopee uh, no more welfare for the Jane Elliott's of the world remember I've been saying that for a while Uh, let's see the women the segment where they talked about women not working I've seen many many reports on 
uh, a large number or sizable number of females no longer in the workplace after the COVID situation or not returning. They've got childcare responsibilities or caring for other family members, as we heard, or elderly parents and the like. Um, I don't know that. I don't know if they mean like white women. It sounded like that was an audio report. It sounded like the female being interviewed may have been a black female, non-white female. But like I said, I didn't have a visualization. Uh, It's at least from folks that we've talked to. We have not, you know, heard from droves of uh, female listeners who said, oh, yeah, I stopped working during the crisis and have not returned to the workforce. We've not heard that. Most of the female listeners that, you know, have participated that we've heard from. They were working when all this started and have continued working right on through. Maybe their work situation changed to some degree, but we have an exact if we if those folks are out there, please call, you know, dial in, let us know. But that's not the sense that I've got. So, yeah, I don't know if they mean white women, not everybody, just females in general. Like, yeah, I would need more would need more information on that one. Um, Let's see. when they talked about trying to get people back into the workplace, uh, federal workplace, I thought that was significant just because historically uh, the federal government uh, has employed a slightly disproportionate number of black people, uh, meaning a number of, like think of places like Washington DC where black people could get jobs where maybe uh, other white people might not hire them. Uh, and so in talking about how they're, kind of figure out what the workplace is going to look like with the adjustment in terms of uh, having some sort of moral concern uh, about the workplace. I don't know what they mean at all. Like uh, in terms of a work, like I I just, I don't even know how to begin to process that in terms of uh, morality in a workplace. Like we can't even get people like Jeffrey Tubin to keep their pants zipped up. So yeah, I'm lost on that one. Like, let's just try to make sure we have PPE and people wash their hands and we don't have to call that morality. Uh, let's see. Like I said, the <clears throat> segment with uh, novelist, I thought it was interesting. They're calling her novelist. This is her first book, but victim of white supremacy, Zakia Deliva Harris, black female born in Connecticut. Uh, the other black girl, her book coming out. Um, I thought it was super important they mentioned that she worked Miss Harris in the publishing industry and she draws draws from that experience in this novel the publishing industry is far from the realm of white male patriarchy it is widely documented white women dominate the publishing industry and I mean like dominate like I think it's well over 70% of the folks who control the major book publishing uh, industries houses companies are white women not white people white women specifically so to not have that pointed out. We just mentioned the second time this week. I'm saying that I mentioned that we had Dr. James H. Madison on the program Tuesday, this deliberate work. And I know this because they've had big reports about this. Al Jazeera did like a big documentary on this. They had a big uh, round table 
discussion and talking about this like wow this is not one where we can just blame this on white men and what's going on here and, and all that and uh, so that's one next uh, I thought still that that was important because this book apparently I haven't read it uh, the other black girl but this book apparently uh, is about <clears throat> black female workplace setting apparently publishing industry and then another black female comes in and they are not black sister homies immediately there's some sort of tension I have talked about this we for years I am saying you see another non-white person someone classified as black in a workplace setting that's not your homie that's not your friend none of the above you go into that situation this is just someone who works here I'm going to be professional I'm going to be courteous but I'm not going to be thinking that oh we are on the same wavelength and this is my homie and I trust this person and oh where'd you get that those shoes from and here like eh, eh, eh. wrong on all accounts I have no idea uh, who this person is what their interests are what orders they have all of that could have been the black female who wrote the note in this situation so I mean all of that is in my view just about having a correct understanding of the system of white supremacy workplace and beyond just because a person has a certain amount of melanin does not mean they are your counter racist counterpart not the case at all uh, even <clears throat> or I guess the last thing that I'll get in um, when Miss Harris she was being interviewed she said that one of the characters in the other black girl is the poster child for blackness and that was another one where I said what? <laughs> right that put that up there with morality poster child for blackness and then she uh, qualified she's from the civil rights the lineage of civil rights royalty she expresses her opinions confidently she's not just going to be cowed and be quiet um, and she's able to navigate this workplace environment confidently smoothly whatever that means I have no idea how all of that translates to so-called blackness if that makes sense to anyone please share and if that's how you describe the poster child for blackness well then most people who are classified as black wouldn't even qualify most of us are not from civil rights lineage civil rights uh, royalty uh, we don't have some sort of con uh, connection to that um, directly um, I don't think most of us express our opinions at least if you're a cow's listener I don't encourage expressing your opinion about things in a workplace setting that sounds like making statements we suggest asking questions and then able to smoothly navigate a work environment like man pretty much everybody I know is still learning on that one like <laughs> so yeah very few people would qualify for you know how she's explaining being a poster child for blackness whatever that means maybe if somebody got that they can share uh, yeah I'll stop there as I said I was excited about maybe checking that book out for the book club but now hearing that I'm not I'm less inclined uh, all of that said, uh, let's see, we'll push off to the callers. The number again is 720-716-7300. The code 
pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, still very interested in hearing folks. Let us know, has your work environment undergone significant changes over the past couple of weeks? <clears throat> Excuse me, since they've said the vaccine is so effective. If you're vaccinated, you can, you know, ditch the mask and everything. Have uh, you experienced major changes where you work? Are things still kind of the same? Uh, definitely want to hear about that. Uh, the female listeners, if we have folks who, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you have vacated your work position temporarily, what have you, during the, the past 16 months or what have you, and are taking some time, if if the report is accurate, if that's the case, we have any any female listeners, let us know. But my general sense is that we really have not had many folks in that position, but I might be in error. So if we have any females who have left the workforce temporarily during the last few months uh, while all this is, is kind of panning out, uh, feel free, dial in to share. The number again is 720-716-7300. The code Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. I reckon if we have folks who are dealing with the the college situation as well, uh, looking, it's looking like it's going to be vaccine. No vaccine, no campus life for you uh, coming this fall. So if that's something folks are having to navigate, if you already have your strategy, if you're just going to get the vaccine or if you're not, whatever the loopholes are, that would be good to know as well. Uh, Let's see. We'll check the phone line and nab folks who have thoughts, views to share. Let's see. First few folks who dialed in with the hand up line should be open. Hey, guys, how you doing? Right poorly victim in New Jersey. Oh, hey, oh wow. I, let me tell you, I don't know if I have enough minutes to explain my four-week wackiness. I told you I left my old plantation and started a new job. Uh, you know, my old company, you know, they was, you know, my supervisor kept calling, checking on me, you know, Cause I didn't tell him I started a new job. I just told him, Hey, listen, you know, you know, I told him about my business. That's what I'm doing. So he, he, he constantly was calling, you know, offering me things, you know, to come back whenever I wanted to, you know, just, you know, just, just keep that in mind, you know? So I started the new job. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really like it, Gus. Um, the hours was long. The workload was a little heavier. So I backtracked. I went back. <laughs> so I went and, uh, you know, I gave the other company. Um, I, got, I basically, the fri- I, I was there for two weeks. That Friday I said, hey, you know, it's been nice. Day two. I mean, I don't know if there's a shortage of workers, but metaphor um these employers are very thirsty especially for an experienced truck driver so i go back to the old plantation gus i regretted it i i you know, I, I was i was there and i thought to myself while i was there i said you you left for a reason 
you know, so, I mean, um, I just was, you know what, I don't know what I thought. I mean, uh, they gave me more money. I went back. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't, it was only $3, so it, it really wasn't that much of a boost. And, they, you know, they gave me the petty gas card again. Um, and, you know, I got my last check from the other employer, and it was substantially larger. <laughs> like, again, hours are longer, workload is a little bit heavier, but, again, I'm not trying to be on the workforce no more than – I'm not trying to work for anybody no more than two years until I, the business really jumps off. So I basically made up some story. I, you know what, Gus? I don't know why I'm, like, um, not being upfront with this particular employee, but I just let him know last Friday I said, I'm done. I called the other employee that I left, and they welcomed me back with open arms, and I went back. So now it's like I'm just getting my old employee, old employer, is calling me every day because I didn't tell him I started a new job. I told him that, listen, I'm just doing my, you know, I, I told him I got to I gotta handle my business. I, you know, the driver that I had is not, um, didn't work out. So, you know, I'm, I'm driving my own truck. So now, I mean, he's just calling and calling and calling. You know, I know you're doing your own thing. But could you just work two days? Could you just work a week? You know, um, how are you going to pay your health benefits? Like, you know, he's just, I mean, to the point where I'm like, it's its, it's annoying. And I'm like, you know, why, like, why, why am I, like, why, why, why am I not able to just tell them that, you know, tell us, you know, tell us my old employee to just kind of like F off. Maybe, Maybe I, I feel like that may be a safety blanket just in case anything goes wrong. I don't want to burn any bridges. But the other day I thought to myself, I said, you know what, this is a bridge I need to burn. You know what, and I, I'm like, and I'm, and I'm never going back. But these, like this employer, like I told you, when you're on vacation, he calls. Oh, can you work for your vacation? I mean, if you ask for some days off because it's a small company, you know, that's, you know, that's difficult. And I'm trying to quit. I don't want to work there no more. And this particular employee is still constantly texting, calling. You know, it, it's, I don't know, Gus, I mean, it, it sounds, it, it sounds wacky. But I'm like, it, it just it just kind of like speaks to this ten year toxic relationship I had with this job. You know the fact that they're not only comfortable to contact you when you're off, when you're off the books, they contact you when you're on vacation. They're contacting me when I quit. I'm just like, and you can't make this up. And I just got a text today, and it's like, hey, you know, what are you going to do about, you know, health care? 
you know, you know about shit. You know, I mean, that's that's really none of your business. Like, I mean, is is, is this a ploy for me to come back? You know, if you think that I'm going to come back just because you know because I'm working and well, you think I'm working independently on my in my own business, and you're like, listen, you know, you you possibly can't afford healthcare. So, you know, come back, <laughs> you know. Don't you want to come back? I mean, you don't have to pay for health care. Gus, I, I mean, man, I, I listen. Again, I'm still learning, and this is just a pure example of how no matter how, we, no matter how I call the show, how, however, how other people call the show, we're still learning. Um, at times, I don't think, that I handled this situation well. I think I handled it poorly. Um, man, I, I just, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I'm just lost for words right now dealing with this former employee. And it seems like, you know, it, it's a, it's, I'm a battered wife or something. And, and you know, my, my abusive lover keeps calling Well, definitely thank you for uh, disclosing, uh, being honest with us. And uh, there is a reason. Hey, still learning. Uh, Gus T. Renegade, victim in New Jersey, Neely Fuller Jr. I don't know anybody in the known universe uh, who is a victim of racism, non-white person who can truthfully say, oh, I learned everything you need to know about racism, counter-racism. Got it. I don't make those type of goofy mistakes no more. That's just you and, you know, Gus's goofy listeners who do that. I don't know anybody who can truthfully say that. So be patient with yourself, sir. Um, And the other thing I say is, hey, that's counter racist codification right there, too. That's the essence of it. You are the person really, in many cases, the only person who will know like, man, I did not. I could have done a much better job today. Like. I have a lot of room for improvement. If I had this situation, the same type of situation presented to me again, there are a number of things that I would do better that I would do differently. I would say this and not this. I would, you know, and in the system of white supremacy, racists will probably give you that opportunity. So hold tight. Uh, I had a strong moment for Pamela Evans Harris late. (sighs) missed dearly uh but that was the same metaphor that she used to use <clears throat> not thirsty um the battered wife uh syndrome and saying that you know in the system of racism white supremacy that's what we got you know and being in such a dependent uh position as we are um as you know many females in battered uh battered relationships that'll be the case for them as well often um but I think that metaphor applies to many victims of racism. Uh, I know speaking of Pam, Renithia Tate, she wrote and talked about frequently black people because of years of terrorism. Like you said, safety net, safety, terrorism. Uh, It's difficult for us sometimes to say no to white people in regardless of the context. Uh, When being, you know, sexually abused, difficult to say no. Uh, a workplace scenario, difficult to say no. Come on and get these extra hours. Come on and work this, you know, double shifts every day for the next month. Difficult to say no. Come on back to this job. 
that is white power and years of terrorism in saying no to a white person uh, I my question was just going to be um, I guess well you already said I guess you answered that one uh, you said safety net that was a big one uh, and that's understandable if you're venturing out and trying to work for yourself and, and that sort of thing uh, I guess it would it would be if you if you had it to do over again what do you think is, is the one thing like bam if I had behaved differently at this point right here this could have nixed a whole lot of this in the butt and this is what I'll do next time um if I would I would basically I, I I wouldn't feel like I had to lie you know just basically be upfront like you know I'm you know I'm done you know I'm I'm you know I'm moving on you know period you know I shouldn't have left any room for this particular employee employer to think that I was coming back and that's the that that was basically the conclusion that I left. Well, that they can draw that. Oh, you know, he he just you know he he didn't have a um, a, a stable driver. So you know, once he gets a stable driver to drive his truck, he'll be back. And I mean, you know, this particular employee even offered to find. A driver for me so you know so it, it was it was just kind of that and I think that when I said when I talked about the safety net you know it was just like you know venturing off start my own business and also going to another company you know the fear of not being able to financially um take care of myself, you know, if, if the business was not to succeed or if I was to get this job and, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like it or, you know, let's just say they laid me off, you know, just, just to, just to leave that, um, just to have that safety net to use the metaphor to be able to go back and have some form of employment. So I think that's what I was doing. I was I, I was basically just trying to leave that option open if all else failed. But when I went back, you know, I'm just like, you know, you know, you 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 left for a reason. Like you 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 you're attempting to start your own trucking company for a reason. And when I went back, it, it just, you know, nothing changed. You know, so I, I was like, I'm like, what am I thinking? Like, I went back, and it's still a small company that's uh, micromanaged, that's, um, again, like I said, very, you know, very toxic, um, no regard for your off time. No, I mean, you would think that I was some kind of manager or I had some kind of stocks in this business the way they want you to perform for this particular business. So, you know, but if I can do it all over again, you know what, it will just be a flat out, listen, I'm done. Stop calling me, I'm done. That's what I would do 
all over again. Much obliged victim in New Jersey. Um, I guess my, uh, my, like I said, race soldiers, they will probably give you another opportunity to see if you have strengthened how you practice counter racism, white supremacy. Um, I would say one, I think it's important. The phone is there for your benefit. I think that's a really important, um, something just to remember uh, for life. Uh, you do not have to answer the phone. Um, ghosting, I think the term that the, the young folks use, uh, like they can call, you don't even have to answer, you know, if they're calling up, oh, I already see the number and eh, I'm good. And they'll get the point. No big deal. Even though I think it's totally le- uh, logical, totally reasonable. Uh, to say, man, I got concerns, you know, if this doesn't work out, if I don't like this new job or if I get laid off or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's reasonable to have some of those concerns like, ooh, I don't want to, I think as you said, burn any bridges. You know, maybe this is this is at least something that I know. It's it's secure, it's stable. Now they want to give me the gas card and then all that stuff. Incidentally, I think that's so tacky. Like he had talked to us before when he's called in previously and this gas card was an issue. They could have done that before, like months ago, if they really valued and wanted him to be on the team, as he said, like it wasn't like he was asking for stock options or make me a CEO of the company like gas card, which they then can provide once he shows he's serious about leave. Like, oh, OK, 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 gas card here. Fine, fine, fine. Didn't know it was that big a deal. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> like, and, and then like they really are concerned about my health. Like, come on now, little fella. You know, you know, you, you didn't even think of how you're going to pay for your health benefits. What if you mess around and get the Rona? Come on back over here. We got health benefits, gas cards, everything. Come on. Like you, you're really concerned about my health and, and well-being. Come on now. Um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll give you other opportunities in the future to show that. And even about the burning bridges, which is a legitimate concern, I think. Particularly, as you said, that so thirsty for experienced professional drivers, which you've shown yourself to be. Hey, you could probably leave in a professional manner. You submitted your two weeks notice or whatever, or, you know, I, I don't know, verbally <laughs> indicated that, you know, you were transitioning uh, and, you know, they tried to lure you to stay even then. I'm pretty sure you could have just, uh, you know, no, thanks so much for the opportunity. I've learned a lot here. It's been a great experience, but uh, I'm moving on. Got, you know, something else that I'm working on right now. And uh, yeah, I'm going to see. Hopefully things will work out. Thanks so much. And uh, appreciate, you know, whatever you need to say. Thanks so much for the opportunity and wish you all the best. It sounds like you could have just done that. Said no, no cursing out, no stomping. Don't call me back. I just no, I think, you know, I'm going to go out here and try this. You know, it's a good package, good offer. Go out, try something new. But thank you kindly for uh, letting me know I am wanted. Always feels good to be wanted. You could have done something like that. And then if you left and it didn't work out, it sounds like you probably could have called them and they would have still been receptive. Like, oh, you want to come? Oh, fantastic. We got the gas card waiting and we knew see your health benefits. We knew it. We talked. That type of thing. I think just as long as you leave in a professional manner, we talked about that with Emmy, right? She said, you know, she put in her two weeks notice, work out your schedule. I think as long as you do that and you did quality work, it's not a guarantee, you know, that they'll hire you back or anything. But I mean, hey, that's you, sir. In my opinion, you're not going to be putting yourself in a position where they will be immediately. Oh, no, we don't want that guy back. It sounds like they wanted to keep you. You left in a professional manner. I suspect you could have probably called them and 
when probably even now could probably uh, call them up and you know is it is that still a possibility do you think I you know you said they're thirsty they need it and that they've said that for a lot of folks that you know people are, are kind of in need of people working a lot of people are out of the workforce it's been so destabilizing uh, the last 16 months or so so hey take advantage if that is uh, the case I'm not saying be reckless or anything certainly think use logic uh, and plot strategically uh, if you want to transition to a better job but be professional in how you lead that way you don't burn but I do I do not advocate burning bridges but I think transitioning transitioning in a professional manner is how you prevent burning bridges you should you know leave courteous professional manner it shouldn't be a problem to go back and ask hey is it possible to return happens all the time again much obliged for uh sharing and the same thing that I say all the time you know like when we sit around many of us victims of racism and criticize other victims of racism that's easy and worthless the victim you are most informed about I mean the victim where you know every single error mistake all of that and I mean fine details the person in the mirror that's the person that you should spend the most time critiquing because there should be a lot to critique. I think all of us listening right now, live archive, still learning. Number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate other folks uh, who dialed in if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed can I be heard Bay Area mom yes ma'am thank you for taking my call greeting to you and everyone on the line. Um, the guy that was just speaking, I remember a lot of his, um, uh, especially during the um, the beginning of the COVID, I remember um, they didn't care about anything. It snowed in, didn't care. Nothing. So I remember that, and I'm glad he's able to um, not need them and um i guess i do get it too when you, you you're using it as a uh, a security blanket uh well that's a metaphor i can see you using that as um a means to survive just in case um you need it i get that too and then i appreciate Gus's um perspective as well because that that works well it seems like it would um, I miss all the clips. But um my workplace racism is um so I had a uh, overlap today with a supervisor that wouldn't come to the house of the little boy. So she finally came and was actually just at work. Um the supervisor always let me know to just stay on her, so I I was on her on Friday when she overlapped via Zoom or whatever the t- tablet because that's not the one that he he needed in person especially 
with these made-up goals. So I said, well, the next time, don't do the TV. Come, come, come here. Come to the house because if you have all these goals that you have, I need you to run them. So um, she's okay. I'm gonna come on Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. So she came Friday instead, um, <laughs> which was fine. So I had her run all. So all the goals that I needed her to run, she put on hold. <laughs> Now, mind you, these are all the goals that she created. They were like what, eight, nine months ago. These are the goals she created. So now I'm saying, okay, we'll do it. Show me. So it's, oh, I'm putting on hold. What? So she put all the goals, all the dumb goals on hold. And then when I'm asking her about uh, one of the goals is for him to tap my hand to ask me for stuff because stuff, it's not verbal and he's not he doesn't tap me and I don't have time it, it's so it's so I get it but it's so complicated to make a, a I'm only there two hours a day and then I make oh, he's asking me something he's still communicating I know what he wants and it's like oh no no don't pull my hand no don't pull my hand don't grab my hand tap me uh, so I never got that goal, and I never ran it. So all the goals that just didn't make sense, I don't run them. And then I was like, well, show me. No comprende. So, um, <laughs> so um, then I did demos to let her know. So a lot of these goals, regardless of how long they've been on here, he's not able to do it. And I'll show you. I saw, well, matter of fact, you show me. Show me how to give him a clap hands on cue. Clap hands. Show me how to do that. Clap hands. Can you show me? She's okay, look. Clap hands. He's like, girl, we don't get out of here. Clap hands. That's doing it. That's what that's doing it. And she didn't do anything. Very insane thing I'll do if that's the case. So no, no, nothing extra. But just mark it like that. You just do it like that. And just, it doesn't do it, then, you know, hey, go something else. So um, the mother came over because she's, I don't know, I don't know what's the big deal about the extra hours, but she, the mom must eat extra hours. I don't know why. Anyway, she wants these extra hours, and she wants me to do the hours, which is fine. I can do her extra hours, and I can do extra hours with an AM girl, but no, no new friends. So, um... So then I was asking the supervisor about the new hours. So then she's saying they didn't even put in the new hours. Apparently, it was supposed to be some elevated hours. They didn't even put it in because it's me. <laughs> so they didn't add the hours. So the mom said she not only did she want the hours added, she wanted five more hours, and she wanted me to be able to do it, or she doesn't want the hours. So... um I wasn't really listening. I started doing other stuff because um, the little boy, he he wasn't really interested in uh, my supervisor being there and me, and we have these masks on. So, so and he, he makes it seem like I'm bringing all these mask strangers to the house. So it's it's always uh, loads of fun. So um, 
He really wasn't interested in any of it, but I wanted her to go over every single thing that she threw on this uh, tablet and just run them. And whatever she just, whatever was dumb, like when I'm asked, telling her that he doesn't, you know, he, he's still, he's not going to tap me. Well, he, he's not going to just be pulling your hand. Or he's not going to just be pulling your hand. But then when we're sitting there today, she's, oh, well, that's pulling your hand is good. Oh, no, that's good. Enough. Well, that's good. Enough. Well, he's so I wanted to say, but I didn't. So I just saw how wishy-washy, wishy-washy something. I just saw how uh, Tuesdays they are. They talk with both sides of their mouth, I noticed, because she knows what she said. She was making it very complicated for me before the in-person visit. But now, especially since, you know, I had everything in writing the way I did backing me up, now she's, oh, no, no. And then I can also do the work because I can do what I have to do with these children as well. So um, I just thought that was interesting. And um, everything just changed, even with the school. So there's supposed to be no more school this month, right? No more school. No more school. That parent, that lady just crammed that lady up, and she now is school. So now it's school, whatever the other black supervisor said. And she let that mom draw. And so now it's okay. What you want? <laughs> school too? School help? Okay. He can do school help. Oh, cause she's create, she's about to create a program around the boys' school. So we'll see how it, it goes. It's, I don't mind working with the little boy because it's interesting to see him develop. But I just think it's interesting how, how tricky they are. Okay. And I'll mute my line. Thanks for taking my call. Context of white supremacy. Bay Area mom, much obliged. Um, man, I'm I'm putting it. I was telling somebody else uh, earlier, like talking about things is so important. So just saying things, verbalizing things is so. We're not powerful. Better word, saying things is so powerful. So I'll continue to verbalize. Hopefully, uh, our Bay Area mom, she will be dialing in soon. Uh, better plantation, substantially better, where she has uh, compensated, has a phenomenal increase in compensation, ease of scheduling, transportation to and from work. Uh, just huge boon for her career. Uh, huge improvement in employment uh, over this because it's just she said she shared this about in, in my view just total lack of regard for the children like just are we really concerned about the well-being of these children or is it just you know slop anything down yeah yeah, yeah he grabbed your hand yeah, yeah just put that down or, nah, no big deal uh, as long as we're getting paid and you know whatever I don't know if these are, are pretty, if they serve predominantly non-white children or both or whatever the case it sounded like this might have been a non-white child but like Wow, that is just like total lack of concern for the employees, total lack of uh, concern uh, for the children that they serve, which what does that idiot say? Uh, white people do not care about children, I think as always says it. Yes, what an idiot. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, with the with the hours, I mean, I guess if you have, it might just be that the mom recognizes that, that, wow, 
this company is really lame and it doesn't seem like they have any sort of sincere regard for children uh, with the exception of you Bay Area mom and if you are going to do the extra hours yes I'll take the extra hours with my child if it's going to be one of these other insincere lame folks well then no I'm cool like your supervisor no I'm cool (laughs) like don't need them in my house wasting time and messing around with uh, my child and I mean just I, I don't have children but I mean, those developmental goals are important. Uh, and so when you have children at a young age where they're not verbalizing or have some deficiencies. Uh, it's nice when you can get someone who is sincere about getting them the help they need justice as opposed to messing around, being a hypocrite, lying, making it seem like you're concerned and you're really not, which it seems like there is tons of this all the time uh, with these young folks and I mean that's pretty common pretty common she said I thought the word that she used was important words you know are important she said she was talking about how the supervisor and she said consistently that it was the, her black supervisor who was the one who had been more helpful the rest of the folks classified as white psh, loafing on zoom in their footies drinking lattes all the rest of it not helpful she said the supervisor threw some stuff on the tablet these are supposed to be goals now and I mean that's about what it sounded like just threw something up on the screen eh, okay yeah, here we go <laughs> like is this like a serious well thought out academic plan or is this literally something that you just threw up on the screen uh, again uh, <clears throat> uh, thinking about children Dr. Welsink, say her name again. Uh, when you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. They get to go to school and get some learning where the teacher, white woman probably, has just thrown something up on the screen. And then they tell you your child is special needs. Much obliged, uh, Bay Area mom. Uh, the number again, seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, uh, no spectating uh, for folks listening in. Uh, let us know if your workplace is, you know, changed or, or not. If things are pretty much like they were six months ago in the workplace, they haven't really shifted things too much because of COVID-19 or if they've made drastic shifts, uh, let us know. And or if you are having any other successes problems we always appreciate uh tips recommendations uh and then do our best to try to uh offer suggestions based on logic uh to help again solve problems without creating new problems uh we should be here uh tomorrow 9 p.m time difference 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific compensatory call in Uh, we will try to make sense uh, of all of the wackiness that has gone down uh, the last week or so man talk about metaphors President Obama 
O.J. Simpson metaphor. I cannot wait. I was elated uh, when I saw it, but that's tomorrow. Uh, Metaphors, metaphors. Uh, and uh, F. Lee Bailey passed away yesterday. F. Lee O.J. Simpson, man. Like, cannot believe, I can. I cannot believe it was just the beginning of this year that we were reading flipping O.J. Simpson. Like, this much. Orenthal <sighs> James Simpson, man. But yes, F. Lee Bailey even passing away uh, yesterday. And I made note, he passed away at the age of 87 Johnny Cochran did not even live to the age of 70. Neither did Geronimo Pratt. Number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Let's see, I thought I. Well, maybe I didn't. Hello. Uh, yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, this is the female caller from Georgia. I hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, my workplace has changed a little bit. Um, it's still going on. I guess that's a good thing. It's still going on. Um, but the manager changed. It's a seasonal job, so she, you know, her job is finished. Her turn is finished. So we have a new manager, and um, I'm kind of concerned because we, what they do is, you know, they love meetings and stuff. So we had, you meet him one-on-one, you know, over the computer because everything's remote. And, well, that's the nature of the job. That's not brand new. So, you know, hi, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just telling him what happened. And now he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to lean on you. You're a big personality. I don't know what I did to be a big personality. Please let me know if I sound like a big personality. That's not my goal in life. I just try to tell people what they need to know so they can make the decisions and go on and do what they need to do. You know, she kind of did that a little bit, but she was also in charge of the bonus, and I got my bonus. So, you know, business is business. (laughs) I got my bonus. So, you know, I had no problem. But I know there's no bonus coming. We are just here because they offered a new product and they put me in this department. I don't, you know, I asked how I get in this department. Oh, we blah, blah, blah. We like you. I don't know. Um, So they wanted to keep those people that wanted to stay. So I'm still there. You know, not a problem. But I'm a little concerned about this guy. Because I was telling him, I was like, you know, we really liked, you know, the people from our group really liked the boss that we had. You know, she was, you know, I'm just telling him how she was. You know, she was, she was good. And, you know, you know, we really liked her. So, you know, you, you know, you gonna have to, you know, you got some high standards because she was good. So he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to, you're going to love me. Then he said, oh, you're going to say he's hot, which was weird. I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. 
that's what I thought to myself. I was like, okay, because every time, every boss I've had, even when I worked here, worked for this company way back in 2011, it's all been women. So I didn't have this, oh, you're hiding or all, all that. They were all professional. They did their job. had no problems with any of them. So I'm a little nervous about this guy. I don't, I don't know. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I don't know about this big personality thing. I don't know what that means. I'm very confused by that. And if anyone here thinks I have a big personality, I don't know what that means. Um, and also about the professional athletes, I know it's not, they may not be quote unquote the most important. I don't know. They, but if someone drops popcorn or drinks and stuff in your eye, that could be damaging. And I know they have doctors, but I just think, you know, it may not seem like big things, but their lives can be in danger. People who have mental illnesses, especially young people who are killing themselves, you know, these these are big things. So I, my, you know, I guess because most of them black, my heart does go out to them. I know I can't. There's only so much I can do, but... I do feel bad for him, but that's just me. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Caller uh, in Georgia. That is logical. Um, I mean, that's true. You know, it's assault. Uh, I think some of these folks are and should be charged for assault. Um, you know, throwing a water bottle or whatever else it is uh, in any other case. If, if you or I did it, to someone, but particularly a white person, just out on the street, it would be normal circumstances. They would call the police, assault, and you know, go talk to the judge. Hopefully, you know, they won't have tape of the judge calling you a nigger and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, I think that's totally reasonable um, to have some sympathy for them. And, and all of these folks should be uh, charged, not just you know we're going to ban you from uh, coming to the games and a charged, criminally charged for their conduct, get out the cameras and treat them the same way that you would anybody else if this happened in a non-athletic venue. Um, I guess as for your end, I mean, it's still a part of the same, you know, to have those visuals of white people just being unruly uh, towards black, as you said, because I think almost all these incidents, if not all of them were black people, um, of white people being unruly towards black people, even star black, even Olympic gold medalists black athletes Kyrie Irving does have a gold medal uh, he was one of them and Russell Westbrook he has a gold medal too uh, the folks that were being assaulted some of the folks that were being assaulted psh, you're just a negro and then they'll use the pandemic as an excuse and say folks are just excited because you know they just got out of the house influenza again yes uh, as for your uh, situation uh, big personality um I don't know. They say Russell Westbrook has a big personality. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know. Are you a flashy dresser? Uh, think maybe they said that about Johnny Cochran. He also was kind of flashy too. So I don't know. Um, you only see my head. I'm working remotely. <laughs> you work I don't remotely. know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. I would I would just chart that. Well, I mean, you did. I would just have to to chart that one down. Big pro, or I might even ask them. Like, uh, I, you you wait. Sometimes you can ask questions. Like, do you remember uh, Chip 
we met and did our introduction. You said I had a, a big personality. You were going to lean on me to help, you know, kind of figure things out, do a great job here. What does that mean, big personality? And just have him explain it. Like, you don't have to be, that's when I wouldn't even be rude about it. I would just be, just, yeah, if you recall, what, what does that mean, big personality? Because I haven't heard that one before. Like, you, that, that's a new one, big personality. What does that mean? And, yeah, have him break it down. He might be truthful. He might say he doesn't remember. But I might even just ask because I have not heard that one before. Um, big personality. Yeah. Or I guess the only times that Johnny Cochran, like I just said, Russell Westbrook. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, now, the other one. Well, it, Go ahead. I do know. I just want to say, it, it didn't seem like a negative thing. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. But in those other cases, those poor men, it seemed negative in their opinion. He didn't make it sound negative when he said it. I just still just don't know what it means. Hmm. Okay. That's important. I always say you're, you know, the expert. You said it didn't sound negative. So it may have been a compliment. That's what I'm saying. It may have been a compliment, and I just haven't heard it used uh, and people may have been complimenting Johnny Cochran when they said it. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, he can he can educate us both. Maybe he'll break it down and, you know, explain the compliment of having a big personality. Maybe you have it naturally. She said she, she was not trying to have a big personality. So maybe it's just a natural part of your your aura in a constructive way, maybe. Um, as for now, the other one. Now, you said, hey, you got some lofty standards and the previous manager, she was cool. Everybody liked her. Got my bonus. Who doesn't love a bonus? Uh, and he said, you all are going to love me. Just give me a chance and you'll be saying, oh, he's hot. Now, that is for sure going in the workplace journal because, I mean, in terms of talking about another person, that frequently has some sort of like sexual connotation like that's not even like oh I think this person is cute like saying someone is hot often means like oh like this is someone that I would like to have sexual intercourse with like that's frequently what that means when talking about a person we're not talking about temperature that type of a thing like I don't I would not I mean that's this is Gus I would there's no context where I would be describing another person in a workplace setting as saying, "Ooh, Bill or Marcia is hot." Like no. Like <laughs> I would not be saying that. Um it would be noteworthy like Okay, I'm going to put that in my journal and Boop. If we have anything that seems like sexual, inappropriate, anything that I feel uncomfortable, we've already got one red flag, uh, at least for me. Or I guess I'll ask. You said you felt like when he said that you had a big personality, didn't seem like he was you know, trying to, to slip any sort of insult by you or anything like that. It seemed like it was a, a positive, a compliment. Right on. Uh, when he said you'll be saying he's hot, what did you feel when he made that statement? I felt like he chose the wrong word. I was like, that's not the word I would pick. I don't I don't think he meant it in a sexual way, but that's just not the word I would use. I just didn't think it was an appropriate word. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, kind of was kind of taken aback by it. You know, I didn't really show it, but I'm like, Oh, that's a weird choice of words. 
But um, yeah, I don't know about these people. And then I don't. He's just I don't know. He's he's just so far he's different. I only had one interaction. No, I had that he was very helpful because I needed some help with something, and he did provide feedback on something work related. So he did do that. So you know, but. Yeah, I just thought that was a weird choice of words. I think he's just, I don't know. We'll see. Because we're supposed to have these meetings every day. They're like 15 minutes. Oh, how's work, blah, 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 stuff like that. So we'll see how these go. I don't know. I wasn't trying to be a big personality. I was trying to shut up. But stop asking me questions. Any <laughs> long. But yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um I uh he could have misspoke, you know, it happens to the best of us. Uh I've done that uh as well. But in a workplace setting and especially like referring to my to myself that you all are gonna be saying I'm hot, like hmm writing that one in my workplace journal date time that would be a great one if if all of this stuff is is via zoom to just already have a recording and that way you have it saved so there's no dispute about what was said uh and then you know if something else comes up where i'm having to think like what is going on like did he say like anything so now it's like okay yeah this has happened you know enough where I don't have a coincidence if he did just misspeak and you know he's going to be professional courteous help get bonuses and all the rest awesome uh but just and this is the same thing i would do with anybody even if it was a non-white person it was a black person and they said that sort of thing like i'd be looking at them a little askew like whoa like uh professional professional we have uh certain words i'm not sure if these are words i would use in a professional workplace setting describing someone as hot especially now in the me too era and all that i would definitely think twice if not out and out, never refer to your coworker as hot. Not a good choice of words could land you in trouble. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess you and you'll be able to learn. You said you'll have meetings and such, so you'll be able to study and see for yourself. Time uh, will reveal. All you have to do is pay attention. Uh, but for other folks, again, I would recommend if you know you regularly have to do a lot of these Zoom meetings and such, I would go ahead and boop, record the, the session. Uh, if it's already recorded, awesome. Save it. Uh, but that way you have a record because it's just there's been so much misconduct. Jeffrey Tubin and all the rest of it boop, have your evidence right there and hopefully you'll never need it. It'll just be junk. You can, you know, delete purge from your uh, files at some point down the road. Let's see. Much obliged to our female caller. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Can I be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter in Florida. Greetings, Gus. Uh, speaking of, uh, the employment of, uh, professional sports, uh, 
Uh, I haven't been able to get in contact with uh, Najee Davenport. I've tried to uh, get in contact with him via uh, his Facebook uh, to no response, which I, you know, I, I under, definitely understand, uh, uh, you know, with the advent of, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, with his medical condition, his probably is bothersome uh and uh he probably wouldn't fully understand on on how him being on the Kyle's program would actually help him in his situation you know so it may be some level of suspiciousness for you know uh because I'm pretty sure he's getting a lot of resistance from the well that's really what the issue is about getting resistance from the National Football League is former employees and former employer. Uh, uh, but uh, I may try to uh, uh, send another message via his uh, Facebook again. Uh, once again, you know, thinking about the uh, Olympic Games in Tokyo, uh, which is coming up soon, uh, from my understanding, it is uh, on, uh, and as I mentioned before, the Japanese government has basically uh, supported the uh, Olympic Committee in stating that uh, they will uh, impose some sort of uh, action on any symbolic uh protest they 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 had different they gave different examples but when it came to racism white supremacy i can't i can't quote exactly what they said but it it sounded kind of suspicious in a in a in a real negative in a real racist way on, on that particular description of quote unquote protest uh uh, I noticed uh, out of all of the different types of sports that uh, that uh, athletes participate in with the Olympics, uh, the primarily the, the only history of any of most of the gestures are with track and field, primarily. Uh, 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 you have non-white black people in basketball. Uh, uh, tennis just started, I, I guess, about maybe about two, two or maybe three games ago, uh, which were probably because it's every four years, so we're talking about probably 12 years ago, something like that. Um, uh, I was looking at a report on HBO about the issue, and they – they brought up three representatives of of people who who they call themselves and they had on the, had t-shirts on activists whatever that means i'm going to get your words whatever that means uh two of them were non-white black females and the other one was a white male the white male went on a knee in the same pan am games that that uh one of the two black females uh did a exact copy of 
of uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Uh, and uh, but I'm not going to talk about the white male because <laughs> you know I mean that 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 doesn't show anything actually uh, as far as uh, with with a white person can do about racism, white supremacy. That's that's easy for a white person to do uh, by getting on a knee. Uh, but uh, my question, my question is, is that uh, I, I wonder if if they the the young people are actually are considering, uh, you know, something that's primarily a gesture of something that all who is concerned and all who have the power to eliminate already know about. You know, uh, racism, white supremacy. So I'm not sure on what the symbolism is is portraying, and basis the consequences that is would be in store because different from 53 years ago, uh, these app these uh, people are paid athlete. They're paid employees. They're 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 paid. They get paid. I'm not saying they're they're all of them are millionaires because they're certainly not, but they are getting a salary of some sort uh by participating in uh events all over the world, including the Olympic Games. And uh now the United the United States actually stated that uh that they were going to support uh protests if they would like. So that's a, you know, positive, you know, from that standpoint. But never, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily go for uh, private industry. You know, I mean, you you how long are you going to be a world class athlete? You're probably not going to be a world class athlete by the time that you're in your mid to late thirties or forties in most of those sports, and you're going to be looking for employment and. Uh, I would not be surprised if uh, some people would have some of the people who would do something would have problems uh, when they start going around looking for viable employment. Uh, and uh, just a thought, just a thought on it. And uh, would be interested on what others have to say about it also, uh, because. Uh, I, I mean, one one last thing. I, I noticed since 53 years ago, I mean, I, I've seen a totally different reaction <laughs> to getting to the podium. You know, they, you you have black athletes are crying up on the stands uh, when the national anthem is playing. Uh, is a there's a habit of of uh, grasping flags of that represent their particular country. "Quote unquote," and and wrapping it around themselves as they're running around the track, which is totally different from 53, 53 years ago, where that didn't go on. Uh, so, I would say that it's probably going to be a low percentage, but it'd be interesting to see on on uh, what would be going on and what would be the reaction to it. And I'll be interested in anybody else who, who on their uh, thoughts on it. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Um, 
he brought up the CTE case uh, with uh, the NFL. Um, I forgot, Mr. Davenport, I did ask if we could maybe get him on the program. And uh, I just saw this week, not not this week, yesterday, uh, NFL halts race norming to calculate brain injury compensation for former players. This is June 3. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it reads, The NFL announced Wednesday, yesterday, it would no longer use race norming. Talk about what does that mean? Yikes. Race norming? As part of its calculus to determine which former players were entitled to compensation as part of a billion-dollar settlement on players' traumatic brain injuries brain damage uh it now see this would be great to talk to mr davenport because this just happened i think he was a part of the players who called attention to this like hey they're practicing he didn't say i don't think he used the term race norm see we can ask him hey mr davenport did you use the term race norming did you all make up that term or maybe he can tell us what it means maybe he can say no i didn't i didn't make up the term gus but this is what it means say i've learned something uh, but it re- continues. It says, uh, let's see, as part of the 2017 settlement, the league was able to use so-called racial cognitive norms when evaluating the extent to which a player was suffering from the effects of a brain injury, which in turn determined the amount of compensation that player would get. The racial aspect, should say racist aspect of that equation is as outrageous as you can imagine. The NFL compensation calculation was predicated on the theory that race could be used as proxy for a number of other socioeconomic factors in determining a baseline for cognition. The practical result of the practice was that when assessing the harm done to a player the NFL's equation held that black players, like Mr. Davenport, started with lower cognitive function, which made impairment harder to prove, and in turn, compensation less likely to be paid than to white former players. More than 2,000 NFL retirees have filed dementia claims, but fewer than 600 have received awards according to ESPN more than half of all NFL retirees are black according to lawyers involved in the litigation the awards so far have averaged $516,000 not millionaires as retired firefighters said for the 379 players with early stage dementia and $715,000 for the 207 players with moderate dementia. Now that's a sizable amount of money. That's a difference of about a quarter of a million dollars, uh, depending on the type of dementia that they say you have. Now again, how much is your brain worth? Definitely rhetorical on that one. And again, football, I mean, man, let me talk to Najee Davenport. I say football should be banned. What say you, sir? And then the follow-up immediately after that. Now, would you allow your offspring to play football? 
do you? Maybe he already has children. Maybe they're playing now. Though That would be very next question. I think this should be banned. What do you think? And do you allow your offspring to play? But I mean, are you serious? And then they're going to practice racism and say the essence of all of this jargon and buckets of words, my goodness, is basically we're saying that you niggers like Mr. Davenport are a little bit ignorant to begin with. So you probably didn't have too much brain damage from football because your brain was already niggerized. That's basically what they're saying. We don't have to we don't have to pay you because you all are already ignorant. You're niggers. And that would be another one. That's my assessment of all this race norming. They call it Mr. Davenport. Am I am I processing this correctly or is this your understanding? Maybe you got a different understanding of what all this means and have him break that down for us. But yeah, would land all of that for sure is workplace racism. They call it worker compensation and your health care package and all that like wow we go through all this I get brain damage and then you tell me that oh because of your racial classification you're not white you're a little less intelligent to begin with so we don't have to compensate you as much as we do people classified as white like Brett Favre wow no football do not allow your child to play football community service announcement anyway um all of that I guess one subject boom um, the Olymp like there have not been tons of black people who have been allowed that's supposed to be amateur sports but I mean yeah it's the again same thing I said last week the reason that they are pushing for the Olympics to proceed in Japan is they have spent billions of dollars now the athletes are not billionaires or even millionaires but I mean it's amateur sports but there's a lot of money like contracts and come get on this Wheaties box and endorse these running sneakers and you know all the rest of that stuff and and I mean you should be compensated you put a lot of time that's a job that's put all the time and energy and training into doing all of that all of that said there have not been like ton. I mean if you start thinking about the Olympic sports and then also keep in mind they only just started allowing NBA players in the 90s so it used to be a lot more white players on the basketball team so once you start getting it I mean thinking about the Olympic sports there's archery and weightlifting and synchronized swimming and volleyball like you are not going to have tons of black people uh, in any of even now you don't have tons uh, of black people but certainly you go back 1960 1950 like those are the type of sports even now it generally is going to require a lot of resources access to facilities and expenses and training and coaches and just you're going to have fewer black people who are going to have access to that so it'd be fewer opportunities to have famous black synchronized swimmers doing a black power fist in the pool or from the I mean although I mean that's even laughable to think about weightlifting or whatever else and even as I said basketball they only recently started doing the NBA thing which made it much more black people on the basketball team that was not the case not that long ago so track and field I think is probably only one of the few sports where you're going to see consistent have seen for a long time consistently a lot of black people and that's the other word it's not just one black person by herself where you're with a number of black people where you might have the courage where you're not by yourself on the podium it's not just Tommy Smith it's him and John Carlos so it's probably a lot of factors but the biggest one being is probably haven't been tons of black people allowed to be at the Olympics they practice racism in disallowing black people from many, many jobs. 
Olympians included. And even if you do, like I said, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, they both have gold medals and they both been assaulted in the last seven days. So what is it to be a Negro Olympian athlete? Uh, let's see. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Again, no spectating if you figured out any codes, uh, things that work well to help solve some problems in the workplace. Share. Uh, we do not need spectators sitting on good information that could benefit victims of white supremacy. Uh, other folks that are with us have commentary to share. let folks kind of get their thoughts together uh again no spectating no spectating uh again we will be here for the compensatory call-in at 9 p.m on saturday uh we'll kind of go over news and events past seven days uh it has been uh the system of white supremacy i guess uh the only way to describe things but we'll try to catch up on uh what has gone down all of the nonsense about Tulsa. I guess I shouldn't say Tulsa. Oh my God. I saw, I knew it was something I saw that was in West Virginia. They have all these wacky uh, incentives, right? In Ohio, uh, they have like a, a lottery system where you can win millions of dollars. You can be a millionaire uh, if you get vaccinated and you win the lottery out there. Uh, but they have all these crazy uh, programs where you'll get like playoff basketball tickets and all this other stuff. Uh, if you get vaccinated in West Virginia, they apparently have a program you can get a gun if you get vaccinated that's been the year it's been 2020 2021 armed hysteria all in encouraged armed hysteria through and through as if we didn't already have enough folks running around with their firearms and mad about things now we need to have even more. That'll be tomorrow. We'll try to make sense uh, of it all. Wow. Wow. Oh, let's see. Um, folks, are getting, I feel like I had one more workplace racism uh, suggestion. Uh, I would pay lots of attention. Uh, I guess two. I'd pay lots of attention uh, with regards to the COVID-19 situation, uh, as I said, I've been hopefully we'll get some people. They can kind of let us know if their workplace has stayed the same. Are they switching it up? You know, relaxing things, as it were, uh, in the workplace. Uh, let us know about all of that. Uh, I would not be reckless. I'll put it that way uh, about things that are happening in the workplace. Uh, I, I myself am not, you know in a hurry to go back and start chest bumping folks and high-fiving and all the rest. I have not been uh, vaccinated. Uh, even if I was, I still probably would not be in a hurry to be rushing back into uh, all of that, but I would not be reckless. I would also check the uh, policy and procedure 
very carefully uh, to see what the protocols are, what are they requiring. Uh, if they have opportunities for you to work at home, I would explore that. I think many non-white people we heard directly uh, from Cal's listeners, investors who said they benefited uh, from being away from the office. They feel like their health, well-being, productivity uh, increased. They didn't have just even small work. I want to retract, retract. It's not small. Things like having a white person who is talking to you about irrelevant things. That could even be a non-white person, but particularly a white person just talking to you about irrelevant things where that minimizes your productivity. And we've had tons of that over the years uh, where I'm trying to work and you want to come in. Like I said, you want to come in and talk to me about, you know, the neighbor's pet giraffe that you don't like. And you think your wife's having an affair and your child might flunk the third. <laughs> we came here to work at the courthouse, the firehouse the law firm not to talk about your personal family dysfunction do not dump on me and having folks saying man not having to deal with all that I don't have to listen to Fred's nonsense know about his rowdy kids and trifling wife like my productivity has spiked like we heard tons of folks who said that so check the policy and procedure if they're making space where uh, I think hybrid work environment is what they call it maybe you can do three days at home two days you come in take advantage if you can uh, do some elbow twisting and get four days at home and one day in do it uh, I think non-white people I mean if we can uh, maximize benefits from this that would be spectacular I think so I suspect everybody here if they go to a workplace like a physical workplace physical workplace I suspect it would be difficult to do this if you do you know professional driving that type of a thing but if you're in an office environment where you could be at home, oh my God, I think all of us would benefit not having to be around these folks and their tackiness or what have you. There's some trade-offs with that for sure. But I mean, wow, just even for some folks, just eliminating the commute. We've had folks over the years who've given all kinds of reports about that alone. Just, you know, the getting to the office for all the terrorism is another round of terrorism. So take advantage if they're allowing that or even if you can just ask is that possible and you can tell and you can be legitimate about it like man you still got concerns and the school situation if you have offspring is still unsettled then it would benefit your family and you as well uh, maybe you could do the hybrid situation be in there two days even at minimum if you just got one day like I said the best we could do is you can work at home one day you have to be here the other four like man <laughs> Every work situation I've had, that would be cause for celebration, watermelon dance, like all of the above. Like at least one day I can look forward to being at home and not terrorized by everyone in the office. So take advantage if you can. Let's see. Star six one other folks, uh, if you have commentary again, uh, no spectating. Uh, we will. Let's see. caller in Florida uh, should be with us as well yes sir can I be heard yes sir yes sir thank you very much sir greetings to Gus the host the listeners and callers 
um, I wanted to make some reports on uh, the updates at the uh, workplace, the courthouse. Um, the first is we got some, I think the term they use is re- retroactive pay on the last paycheck because we went through a, a furlough last week around, not last week, but last year around the time when we had the Elvis um, weddings going on. Uh, so the drive through is closed. Uh, and I'm still thinking people are still finding out that we reopened back on uh, this past Tuesday. And we're starting to get some walk-ins back so the supervisor has finally tried to put forth some more effort after uh, we had another, um, I guess, uh, I guess you could say it was a little bit uh, tense somewhat, but I was asking my questions about uh, getting correct treatment like the other side and she, once again, practicing racism. Uh, when it came to the last person that sat to the third desk, uh, they still are trying to find a qualified person to fill that spot, right? So she was saying that, well, a lot of people don't want to work, and she could be trying to use that talking point because, I guess there's been a lot of reports, uh, you know, that's been affecting the economy because of the unemployment. And I don't know if it's different from different states or whatever, but I just don't believe that necessarily. And then I made a uh, point about how one of the people she told us about was going to need some hand-holding. That's the metaphor she used. And she said something different. She said, uh, you know, um, the reason why I didn't hire that person is um, I don't want any clicks. She used the word. She used the word click. So I said, well, based on the things you told me before, uh, given the fact that you didn't hire the person, wouldn't the click still expand if she were to get hired elsewhere? Uh, she started stuttering, right? Because the reason I said that is around that time period, um, the person that leaves it has been getting all of her friends. She has like at least maybe 10 people in like the last seven, eight years, um, or an extension of someone she knows. That's how they do it. All right. And the warden has allowed them because she is a white female, you know, like pretty much the bulk of the clique. So they have gotten their social um, circle into the office in the different departments. So this girl was introduced as someone's friend, you know, so she basically was being deceitful once again. So. Uh, and I said that I am insulted and humiliated by the lack of a plan for 
this space over here for when we do this reopening, right? <laughs> because this lady, uh, she took some paper, right? You know, the printer paper and some tape and put it over the uh, slot holes on the partitions. So I ripped mines off of the one that where she put on the mine. I'm like, what is this? This is tacky. This is unprofessional. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm thinking of myself. So she left the office. I don't know if it was because of, you know, maybe I made her upset. I, I don't know. I was just telling the truth. Uh, so after that conversation, um, I knew the word was going to get out. So people was, was trying to say, well, you know, you have a good weekend and, uh, you know, to move on to my next one. I came back at the end of the day. Uh, and now this, this particular member, white woman, maybe like, I don't know, two, cause I'm 34. So she might be like 36 or something like that. Right. So, uh, she, <laughs> She approaches me about the receipt I'm about to take to the supervisor's office. And she's like, oh, hey, hey, you know, I'm glad you're back. And I'm like, why are you sounding so happy like this? You know, are you sounding happy like that with everyone else? She says, well, I, I, I try to, you know, it's, it's Friday and everything. And, you know, just a bunch of nonsense. So, I, you know, I walk past her and then she calls me again. And the black manager, right? is within ear distance in the area. So I walked back up to the uh, to the female white woman, and she was like, oh, well, the supervisor wanted me to, to forge you an email, you know, and then she used a metaphor, well, I don't want to step on no one's toes. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And I could see in the uh, peripheral again, black female the manager i know she could hear what she said right so you know obvious racist insult to her and she was like you know it's just the schedule for what's coming up on uh on tuesday because it was going into the holiday uh so i said okay so i just turned around and walk off so she's been using this over exaggerated you know phony surface um courteous uh, behavior toward the black staff member. So she went from me and then went to the black female uh, manager. She says, oh, well, hey, hey, such and such, uh, um, you know, how are you going to enjoy your, your days off for the holiday? <laughs> what are you going to do for the time off when you're on your time off? And then the black female says, what I do. Three words. And I, I just thought that was absolutely, like, beautiful. So, I mean, because we don't really, you know, talk that much, but I thought that was a beautiful response because she knew that she was faking, you know. So, um, and I wanted to share, uh, like, two, three more. I heard another uh, victim of racism also use a metaphor while, and I, you know, I strongly, I, you know, I didn't try to advise her and not to share her personal business, but another black female friend of hers did that worked on the job. 
but she's gone now. So she tried to tell her, Hey, don't, don't, don't share things with people here. You know, don't, don't do that. So she's continued to do this. Uh, and she was making a comment about what she says in her mouth. Okay. So, and the way that she said it is, um, she says she's a pistol. And, you know, the white girl that she was talking to, like, what? Who are you talking about? Oh, my mouth. She a pistol, and I know her, right? So, because I know if I say something, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. So I just pretty much just put on the earbuds. I'm like, is this it? <laughs> is, are you getting that personal in what you share with this person? You don't know what she's going to go back and say. So, um, my, uh, my next, uh, observation is, uh, I've noticed also that a white person walked through and she did the whip. She mimicked the, uh, whip cracking and tried to laugh while walking by this black female, the same one actually, uh, and no one really responded. So that was one that I wrote down. And then another white person tried to do that, uh, speaking to her and saying that he didn't know that at the other building that her daughter worked there. And he says that I've been giving her, quote, unquote, a hard time and saying that, oh, well, you need to eat something because I guess you might be thin or whatever. You know, you need to eat, you need to eat something. I can bring you a sandwich, all kind of stuff like that. So I'm like, man, like I know, <laughs> not that I would want to do this, but I know good and well, I could not get away with something like this. Um, but the, but also I wanted to share the, uh, the customer, the black male customer that they tried to get me to assist that is, asking for things that is beyond me. I provide customer service for records and he has been speaking about things about putting things in writing and, um, you know, raising his voice at people. Uh, and I just don't think it's constructive. So he's been said to be put with, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, another black male, you know, so I just think that's just, um, unprofessional and not safe because every time the bailiffs are always coming around this person and, you know, the person is homeless. It seems like has nowhere to go. Uh, he's cursing people out, you know, and it's like, and I, and just to end, um, I spoke with a black male this morning uh, in the filing area. And then I, and I told, and I said this to him cause this is a supervisor. Oh, he said, oh, it's because you're black. So I said to him, I said, well, you know, I, was, I said, I was trying to pretty much verbalize that myself. And then he said, I'm trying to say it in his words, but they feel like because you're black that, oh, well, you'll, you'll pretty much be able to, you know, know how he is and he won't curse you out and do anything like that. Like, don't believe that because he's engaged with the dude, the guy as well. So, 
because I, I and I also said I'm like, what does me and the other guy that's black have in common? Because I'm not a manager; he's a manager director. So how do you go from him to me? <laughs> and then he said, because you're black. So and I said exactly. So um, we were walking out, and then the 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 lady, the uh, warden, saw me and him walking together. So um, she obviously don't. Uh, like engaging with me too much, especially since I just saw another gang member, you know, a white female. She was in her in her office, HR, speaking to her like I'll use a metaphor like a um, high school classmate or a regular associate, right? And and the warden looked at me, and I just asked the warden, like, did you have any FedEx or UPS packages that, you know, that needed to go out? Uh, she looked kind of, like, worried, like, oh, he caught us, he busted us or whatever. So that just, like, another example of how she uh, keeps that kind of um, uh, click kind of syndicate going in the courthouse. So uh, that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Called them a syndicate, Lord. Mm, mm, mm. The Florida courthouse never, uh, no one disappoints, man. Never disappoints, excuse. Um, let's see the the inability to hire an adequate number of employees, and then they come with all of these uh, excuses, like. Oh my goodness. Um, they will say that for so many different fields, for so many different reasons, especially when it comes to hiring a black person, or in this case, even you have black people who are struggling because they're understaffed and they will have so many excuses. We can't find anyone who's qualified. Nobody wants to do this job. Oh, this person, yeah, she, she's just not going to be qualified to do anything. Oh, we didn't want to increase the clicks. Now, I mean, that's absurd. We didn't want to increase, you know, clickishness. You know, we want everybody to feel included and welcome. Just one big happy family. You don't want just little bands of people who just hang out amongst themselves uh, in one place or the other. Like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. I just fell off the... The turnip truck. You cannot in in the great state of Florida, we cannot find one person who would like to come down and work at. We got benefits, a job with benefits. Come on, uh, and then now the court. And now this is magnified because we know we're going to have an increase uh, in traffic. People know the courthouse is back open. We close the drive-through and no more dancing Elvis. Back to regular courthouse hours. Maybe we need to get that other person in here. Yeah segregated section you all will make it work you're negros you'll, you'll make it work and so well what are we going to do you know people are coming back in what are we going to do for safety we got this uh hmm i found a roll of tape in my office and uh i think we'll just cover the vent holes that 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 should that should that should that's a device don't you think <laughs> what in the world like are you serious paper and tape on the slot hole and that's it no marks on the floor distancing no woof it does not 
and this is again at the courthouse. I mean, it's not like you don't have any budget. We couldn't have went and, and went to Office Depot, see if they got some dividers or anything. We, we don't have $50 in petty cash for that at the courthouse. Like, dang. Uh, I, I think I said for a minute uh, in a workplace setting, black lives do not matter. And I mean, in terms of your health and safety, you really have to be the one who prioritizes your health and well-being because, I mean, you'll get this index card and a piece of duct tape to cover the peephole or the the slot hole and that'll be the that'll be our safety plan for you make sure you're make sure you don't lose your index card because you get one index card per week uh let's see and then (laughs) i said you should put that in my view you could take a picture of that and put that right up there with the hospital workers who had on garbage bags like that's what our year and whatever it is, 16, 17 months has been uh, garbage bags for PPE duct tape index card over the slot hole. That's our plan for the colored section at the courthouse. He correctly identifies this tacky, unprofessional. What? Ungrateful nigger. <laughs> He's like, wait till I go back and tell the clear. I mean, uh, co-workers, colleagues. Yes. Wait till I go back. This nigger is out here. Do you believe he had the uh, we got brand new index cards that is fresh tape and we covered up all the slots and him to say that it is tacky and unprofessional. Mark, I'm not talking to him anymore this week. What a coon. Like, uh, you want to talk about some unjust networking like we um, let's see. All right. Now talked about before uh some people have said hey uh with victims of racism that's what i said at the beginning of the program like this is not my homie it's not my black brother not my black sister they are hot patty labels on their own everyone has not taken that position some folks say hey i will try i am my brother sister's keeper i will try to look out hey brother don't share personal stuff in the workplace sister you know keep your business your business you know everybody here is not your homie you don't want to be broadcasting things we've heard a number of folks who say hey sometimes victims will take that advice sometimes they do not oh well again I just say whatever you share be willing to have everyone in the company hear read what you said that said now that is phenomenal advice don't go around you know sharing your personal business in the workplace that is not smart for about a billion different reasons now this person going out and you know that person is a pistol and rent whatever that means that person is a pistol and you know I got and it, and it seemed like I wasn't there I'm just you know it seemed like the person that she was talking to it wasn't like they had been chatting it up where it seemed like they weren't even aware like they were doing their work or like what what are you talking about? Pistol. She's what? What? <laughs> As you, you have no idea. Is this person going to hear this and just be like, what is she even talking about? I'm going to make sure I go report this and we're done. Like, what? You've got this crazy person out here working. She's talking all of us. Pistol that. Is she some gun? That, like, you have no idea. <laughs> like, whatever you said, how that's going to be twisted. You and I said before, somebody else, if they overhear what you said, much less this sounds like straight gossip. Never cool to just be sitting around 
gossiping about other coworkers and talking about their personality or whatever you like them you don't like them like come on like that's not what you're on the clock to do and certainly with some you know stranger uh they might that might be their best friend <laughs> she's gonna go back wait till karen gets back i'm gonna go and tell her do you know she called you i mean come on come on uh let's see the uh the whip sound oh we can contrast so we got one that's a bad example you're in the workplace and you're sharing personal things and all this with other folks gossiping like bad on many levels you get the other black female she comes through hey what are you gonna be doing on the weekend what I do Bruh. brilliant 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 no personal information that's not being snippy that's not being you can say that with a smile what I do you don't even have to I say you can normally ask a question back but smile and keep on rolling you don't have to give any details and get all in your business I'm being courteous I answered your question and with as few words as possible. I love it. And we can all, that's easy. We can all sit around and do that. Just come up with, you know, little short responses that you can say to answer a question where you don't have to give a big monologue. Less is more. Now, the I had to go through my phone for a minute and retired firefighters here so I got a witness now he said the white woman uh, went through and did the whip sound the uh, as she was walking through now I would have probably let that one ride if you caught me on a day if it's one where I got in my two weeks notice or I don't really care about this job or you know I'm feeling a little looser with my code we're in the state of Florida and a white person does that I whip out my phone I might even have to ask them I can keep it in the question lane too like whip out my phone and say wow have you seen the monument that talks about the Florida cracker still in the question lane and just ask (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry sir oh no I was just reacting I would I would have to bust out my phone like whoop 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 let me flip back retired firefighter we would that was a part of the cows yoga retreat in Florida folks were saying hey the Rona looked like it might be ebbing we could do a retreat sometime soon maybe we'll see uh but when we did do the retreat uh at the end of 2020 2019 excuse we pulled over they had a big bronze statue and they talked about the for, uh Florida cracker let me see if i can flip i have so many food pictures see if i can do this without taking too much but it included uh slavery animals you got to use that whip you got to use the do some cracking to get all kinds of beasts and negras to behave correctly let's see up oh, almost there almost there let's see so long ago a year and a half we stopped and took pictures of all of it because they had cows leading right up to the sign and then they had the Florida cracker uh, emblazoned plaque so let's see if I can almost there all right here we are the retreat and it was on my face it's on my you can look on my Facebook page too, people it's right there as well all right here we go the Florida cracker so it reads 
unlike their better-known Western counterparts, Florida cowboys were known variously as cowmen, cow hunters, and perhaps most famously as crackers. This last term is widely believed to have been derived from the explosive sound made by their long leather whips as they rounded up and drove their herds to market. The Florida cracker didn't run cattle on dusty wide open plains, but rather with the aid of their tough, compact cracker horse and tenacious cur dog, they gathered their herds a few head at a time in Florida's swamps forests and endless palmetto scrublands in addition to heat humidity razor sharp sawgrass insects snakes alligators bears and panthers florida crackers did daddle daily with the wild and wiry long-horned florida cattle that were descendants of the stock brought to the new world by spanish explorers in the 1500s the florida crackers were tough independent and resourceful characters in a sparsely populated frontier that remained unmapped, wild, and dangerous long after the American West was largely settled. The Florida Cracker. This is in uh, close to Orlando. We saw this at. But anyway, yes, I'd have to pull that out like the long history of the Florida Cracker and their explosive whips. Did you know about that, man? Like, if you caught me on the right day, because you could still stay in the question, and I mean, that's I talk about that all the time. That's state history. Like, they got these markers all over Florida. Like, boop, have you seen this? That's your history, Florida. Cr- <laughs> I don't know if I'd say all that, but I mean, <laughs> woo, I would be tempted if you caught me on the right day. Um, let's see, and all that about the... Uh, you, uh, I guess talking to the person was talking to somebody else in the work environment and oh my word and you know my, uh, you said you were making it hard for uh, my daughter and blah 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 and you're not eating and well, it seems like they're always trying to make somebody eat in the courthouse setting like for years like some black person janitor or somebody else that they're trying to force uh, food on and all the rest of it uh, again, I, I would try as much as possible to stay out of uh, personal business. Uh, I would try and minimize if you do have other relatives who work there. It wouldn't be something that I would be uh, broadcasting and making known or widespread. Uh, just again, same type of thing. You don't, you never know uh, who is listening, especially I think he, the last one he shared, there's so much gossiping and clicking and clickishness. Uh, in the area where you have like this warden where she goes by and eh, I'm going to talk to him get out of here and then she sneaks on by and goes back to the other click members and they're like he said it seemed like you know I'm in high school or something like I'm just, <laughs> and then he walks in and says, oh oh <clears throat> yes <laughs> like are we at the courthouse like come on come on like I think you just said we can't even get full staff in the segregated section because you don't want clicks and and all the rest of it. And you all are giggling like we're in ninth grade. Like, come on. I mean, and probably giggling about some non-white people and all the rest. Might even be giggling about no staff for the colored people. Like, we're just going to have them working. Do you see how we put all the uh, index cards with the duct tape? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, I will talk to you the rest by uh, text wink and then they move on like tacky trashy 
terroristic. That's another reason I wouldn't participate in gossip because it will make you stand out. There's so much of that in the workplace. Like gossip got like racist man, racist woman. They are no model for not gossiping like all day long, especially in the workplace. Just gossip got they'll have like whole departments that'll have like grudges and things bent up against another department in the building so they sit around and gossip about them all day long and vice versa like stay out of all of that because they are if you're a black person they are for sure gossiping about you at some point so you're not special but stay out of all of that I'm here to be professional not to talk about the people in the cubicle next door Yikes. Uh, oh, and the black person, I forgot so much. They always have so much things going on. Uh, I told, I said that before, the redirecting the black people to have to talk to other black people, even if it's patrons and they're unruly or what have you. And then they give some nonsense logic to say, well, you know, you can understand so brother. And all of us said, no, he made it. It's because you're black. <clears throat> yes, it's not. <laughs> we know the secret Negro handshake and we both member of the Al Sh- No, it's because you're black. Now, really, the correct way is because of racism, white supremacy, because I mean, what does that even we talked about that already too? the blackness thing? Like, what does that mean? I don't anyway. uh, But that is all nonsense. And I've seen that it's always something non-constructive. It'd be totally different if that black person came in and he had on a tailor made three piece suit attache case, five thousand dollar shoes. And he was like, oh, yeah, you get him. I don't want to talk to that fella. (laughs) You know, speaks impeccable English it would not be oh yeah you get all the black folks go ahead and deal with that fella no it's you give me this fella who's cursing might be a security threat might have a weapon of some sort <laughs> like I don't know what's going on yeah yeah, yeah. you need to talk to your soul brother <laughs> yeah that's that's not because hey, yes sir yes sir and they they were talking about uh guess possible because i i still haven't um uh, spoken to the guy yet just from you know from what i've heard from both black people and uh white people on the job you know it's also i guess mental issues and everything like that going on but he's he's making accusations of people taking things from his uh taking documents out of the file and everything and we have to trying to order the file from archives he's like no i want to see it right now and it's like oh my <laughs> but usually they have to help him over across the hallway um just to provide more context but it's definitely accurate about how they try to apply the uh black staff members to um the black customers that they i guess don't want to help assist that they are practicing racism in that way um, and to mention about the word cracker, have uh, have you encountered like in a workplace where there are white people, um, I guess, somewhat embracing it? Like, because I, you know, I, I heard a white woman say, a white woman say, um, like, I don't have no problem with it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a redneck and a cracker. I'm a redneck cracker. Right, so like I don't get why everybody gets so mad. So I didn't give a response. She didn't ask me nothing on that one, and I know I had mentioned uh, it was a, a white guy that came in there, and the shirt 
on the back of it, it said Florida Cracker, just like what you was just describing. So um, white people definitely are ignorant. And then they know how to make uh, little jokes and saying, oh, well, you know, that came out wrong. The Cheez-It snacks, they're crackers, right? Cheez-Its in the red box. Like one of the white females again, oh, that came out wrong. I just wanted some crackers. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they they study and they talk about that, like, all the time. So uh, that's all I wanted to add. Can I be heard? I can hear you. Okay, I, maybe Gus got disconnected. Uh, well, uh, I'll I'll proceed uh, slowly if I can. I'll be short and I'll be brief. Um, okay. So, um, at my plantation, um, um, security has um, been uh, laxed um, or relaxed, rather. Uh, we used to have um, a temperature gauging station they removed they also had a guard there they removed both um the station and the guard um we do still have the masks um and that and um i was going through my um emails um uh, at, at, at my facility and um i noticed that there was a 200 dollars incentive uh for uh proof of vaccinations so, and um, we're seeing the um 70 percent uh goal uh, apparently, once we reach seventy percent at our facility, um, I guess it's back to uh, the standard way that we operated before the pandemic. I'll say it like that. I don't want to say back and all. Um, uh, in my environment, I have this um, non-black, non-white, I would assume Asian male, and. Um, Today, he did something very interesting to another black male, and it actually got the black male in trouble with the black female. Um, he was having a private conversation, not work-related, uh, with the black male, and he said some offhand comment like, um, I like you, you know. We should go out, and we should get black girls together. Um, to which the black male responded, you know, my main goal when going out is to get black girls um, I guess as a way to, uh, to to say he's not interested in hanging out with the with the, with his other coworker outside of the uh, facility, and a uh, a black female um, asked the black male, "What's wrong with black women?" And the black male kind of froze, uh, and it was like it was very strange. And I was uh, I was confused, and I asked so like uh, so uh, just for clarification, she's upset at the black male for not wanting to go out to hunt or or pursue black females with 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 the Asian. She's she's not angry at the Asian for for saying let's go get some women. It was very odd. It was very odd. Very awkward. Uh, uh, this uh, his coworker, um, the 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 non-black, non-white Asian male is 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 he's very odd. Um, I've I've 
he he brings up strange scenarios. Okay. He'll ask you questions that completely aren't work-related, like, you know, up or down, left or right, in or out. And then he'll try to try to waste time, uh, production time, conversing about things that, that do not pertain to, to our job at all. And then, like, he'll pull out his booklet and, and ask questions about coworkers and their work performance. Like um, who's not working? Who's working? Who's not working? And um, he cornered a a a white male at the urinal, and uh, and inquired about a promotion. Um, it was it was odd. It's just for him to tell the story. This is like the the, the boss under the 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 plant manager so this is a pretty 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 powerful white man that he's engaging at the urinal um um and for like a week or so he was bragging about how he was going to be a supervisor and um he's uh, not even hired on with the company and um it, it, it's i don't understand this asian male because um Okay, on one, on one hand, he'll say, uh, you know, he's a person of color. And on the other end, he'll say he didn't get into dental school because affirmative action kept him out. Um, he's, he's confusing to me, and I choose not to engage him if it's a non-work-related issue, um, um, just because I want to... Uh, I, I'm trying my best to keep down conflict and not be in any close quarters or any conversation with this person. Uh, I don't think it would be constructive or conducive to my work environment. I don't think it. That's all I have on my mind. Much obliged, Mo in Dallas. I got disconnected for a bit. I didn't realize it, so I wasn't being picked up on the line. And uh, I think I didn't hear the tail end of uh, Caller in Florida's response right when he said there of course they're practicing racism it's not that I get all the black people because I'm classified as black it's because they're practicing racism but archives should be fine I just didn't realize it so there was a little bit of discontinuity uh, Mo in Dallas like whew, that right there in a nutshell I do not go into a work situation thinking that any of these folks are my homies friends brothers sisters compadres whatever even if they're non-white victims of racism probably confused united independent so we start now we have that word again so we get this Asian male who says hey we should go out and get black girls and say let's go get black women and say go let's go get black ladies black girls Mm. boys and gals Dr. Welsing again so can I add something? yes sir I'm sorry Uh, it's short it's brief Um, uh, also uh, the the last time I called in on workplace um, I talked about my uh, white male co-worker who who had the gun 
analogy with the with the female, uh, he offered to, and I'm using his quote verbatim, um, or he threatened to not this Asian person the flip. Uh, he didn't use the word flip. You can put uh, modifier there if you want, but he uh, offered to knock this Asian man the the blank out and. Uh, in the presence of supervisors, by the way, and they got chuckled off. <laughs> uh, that's all I have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you guys. Hmm. Wow, that's uh... didn't want to miss my violence. That's, I mean, that's the sort of thing that I've talked about. That's the sort of thing that I've cited as a red flag. That should be totally unacceptable uh, in a workplace. Uh, not just the language, but I mean to threaten to knock someone out in a work environment. That is not funny. I mean, that workplace safety, that's San Jose shooting that they're talking about. Like in this environment, everyone should say, whoa, no violence in a workplace. That is not funny. That is not something to snicker about. That's how you end up having that. I just said verbalizing things is very powerful. Uh, that's not funny at all. And the same type of thing, imagine a black person saying that in a work environment. Anyway, uh, back to the let's go get some black girls. Um, I'm all professional. Everything just comes back to professional and workplace safety. But I mean, professional like I do not fraternize with coworkers. Thank you kindly nothing else need be said like whatever his response was fine but I mean are you serious like whoa and I mean not even just girls like black girls okay and then I always say this like these conversations in the workplace should definitely be restricted to workplace matters because you never know who else is listening then you have another victim pops in out of nowhere what's wrong with black girls now, I mean, you could take the easy one and just answer the question. Nothing. Move on about our day. But I mean, wow, he said it seemed like she, you know, was offended or what? maybe she didn't catch the full context. You never know when people are ear hustling or whatever, when they're not being directly included in the conversation, if they got the full gist of it or whatever. But either way, like, I, I just I mean, why is any of this like this is not our job to talk about our dating preferences or let's get together and go out and try to do some group dating like let's get back to our tasks Jesus like uh, let minimize conflict that is one way to minimize conflict right there like we are not doing any craziness going out and all this Uh, we're just going to stay courteous and focused on the job that will minimize a whole is that right that we almost spilled in the conflict just on the mere mention of let's go get some black girls Eh, maybe I'm not interested in that what's wrong with black girls (laughs) whoa 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 everybody let's get back to work be professional um The confusion, the uh, man, so much being cornered at the urinal like uh, yikes, yikes. Um, All I can say is non-white people generally are very confused. Uh, This fellow seems uh, confused and many confused victims of racism are dangerous. Uh, I would definitely be very mindful uh, if I spent uh, any time around him. 
Uh, I would be very mindful about what I had to say if I said anything at all. Um, just he seems like someone who could cause a variety of problems. So, yeah, I would just be very mindful uh, about, you know, what's happening, what I had to say about him. It would be super, super codified and always just business, nothing casual, nothing uh, so that there's no possible way he can interpret anything like, oh, yeah, this Gus guy, he's cool. He's someone that I could approach and, you know, we could talk about some silliness do some gossiping or you know where do you get some illegal drugs like nope he is not the person to go to about that at all in fact he might rat on me like that's the type of reputation that I would want to have the way that I would want him to think about me uh wow Mo in Dallas yikes dangerous work environment uh we did our three hours uh hopefully something constructive for folks uh listening in uh again we'll be here tomorrow uh, for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific Uh, we will try to make sense of some of the things that happened over the past seven days or so Uh, call in share a thought question counter racist view Uh, hopefully this was worthy of your time and energy this uh, Friday evening Uh, workplace safety I I just I cannot emphasize that enough that was the second thing that I was going to say when I was speaking before and I said I had you know two things I said check policy and procedure that's definitely uh, see if you can take advantage if you can get some extra days working from home brilliant Two, workplace safety that type of uh, comment that we just heard I will knock you the F out or I'll knock you effing out all of that like whoa whoa the incident in San Jose the incident at the Indianapolis FedEx I shouldn't say incident slaughters uh, like each of these separate incidents had almost a dozen fatalities each these types of incidents have just been increasing according to many reports many people have encouraged take this serious in the workplace these type of statements are totally unacceptable they are totally unprofessional and they encourage this sort of thinking violence in the workplace and violence against co-workers in the workplace like that should be an anathema like are you kidding me that's not funny that's not joking that is like whoa maybe you have some mental health issues going on we do not even think about knocking out striking shooting another co-worker take that seriously that's why I said that's one you could talk to a supervisor human resources someone and give them some of these articles just maybe we all need a reminder about making sure that we are being safe promoting workplace safety and that violence even joking about violence is totally unacceptable anywho Uh, Much obliged for everyone's participation. Sobriety would be best uh, under conditions of white supremacy. Protect the brain computer. Brain man. Heard about the football players like my gosh. Protect the brain computer. In addition to being sober, I'd just be very alert. In West Virginia, they've given out guns for vaccinations. Be alert. Uh, If you're going out, you are sober. If you are driving, you are not on the cell phone. We are trying to minimize contact with the Mark Furmans of the known universe. And we need our attention 
to be alert. That said, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person no gossiping no name calling very small things we can all do to contribute to producing justice immediately particularly in the workplace disciplined no gossiping no name calling cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim brother I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.